Hello and welcome to the Voice of the Force podcast. Happy New Year. Hope everybody's doing well. Let's have a good 2020. Season 2 My of the Voice is... of the Force. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that sure. makes me so happy to Let's say that. that. Yeah, season, season 2. Because the year started? Yeah, because... Eh, yeah. yeah, why not? <laughs> well, welcome to, Voice of, welcome to the Voice of the Force where we're not sure when this podcast started. Yeah. <laughs> But what we do know is that it started now. My name is Ed, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Noma. How's it going? And Dan. Woohoo! And especially for you guys, we have a couple guests here today. Please put your hands up for Mr. Bobby Downey. What is going on? Not too much, man. How you been? Oh, everything's been great. It feels... I haven't been this happy as a Star Wars fan in a very, very long time, so I'm really excited Good. to, That's to interesting. talk about everything. Good to yeah, know. well, it's it's great. I mean, things have been so polarizing and divisive, and it seems like lately we've been getting some pretty just, like, solid stuff. Like, I've been playing uh, Jedi Fallen Order on stream, and I've been yes. enjoying the game, and we, I've been, obviously, I finished The Mandalorian, and, you know, I won't talk about it, but, I, you know, I've been loving it, so it just feels, it feels so great to just, enjoy stuff and it, it kind of seems like the star wars community is kind of all in agreement that they're enjoying it too and it just it feels great so i'm pumped to talk about it awesome definitely and we also have another special guest here for you today we have miss vanessa gamble on the show vanessa how are you tonight i'm great today excited to be here guys awesome good to have you yeah um i met you guys uh what it's been um, so it was like april 2019 at Star Wars Celebration Chicago, and yeah. I, I, and it's been um, I miss it. I bet it was it's been a great staying contract, you guys, and I'm great, like, really excited to be here today. Yeah, are, you have tickets to Star Wars Celebration Anaheim again, don't you? In this I year, in do yeah, I'm going in August. Uh, Lucky, wow, we're jealous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that because yeah. you live in the east? You live in the East Coast. Where do you live? I live in Florida. Um, oh, okay. I currently live Florida, so about uh, three hours away from uh, Galaxy's Edge and two hours away from Miami. Oh my oh god! My god! So I know who we're hitting up when we're going down to Star Wars Celebration <laughs> <laughs> or Star Wars uh, yeah. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah, heck yeah! Well, uh, three hours, but we'll, 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 I I have some friends in Orlando. We'll, we'll work something out. We're twenty four <laughs> hours away, so it's all good. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, Star Wars Celebration uh, Anaheim is coming up in August. Which is weird because normally they do it in April, but uh, I'm excited to hear uh, what comes out of that and your opinions on all the uh, events that happen down there while you're down there. Yeah, I'll be the voice for you guys while I'm down there. I'll do my best to tell you everything that's going on and all the the hype because I mean, it there's got to be something. Um, I mean, I I I'll leave most of my chat for when we go delve into or if and when we go delve into Rise of Skywalker. But um, it feels it, it, the ending that made me feel that there was something more to come, and I know that they oh, said they sure. had Star Wars movies planned for the next decade. But I seriously, I'm going to like hopefully this doesn't give away my plan. But I'm going to run up to Star Wars Celebration, grab a writer, and shake them vi- vigorously, saying, "What does it all mean? <laughs> Tell me what you know. Perfect. Reveal your secrets." <laughs> exactly. Cue Emperor's laugh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There we go. There's Ed's Yeah, I have some friends in the 501st. Um, I have some that will hopefully get me some ins. Nice. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. I already got my Airbnb all planned. <laughs> Sweet. 
Did you guys hear yeah. about yeah the five oh first with the the Mandalorian the the last uh, the last scene there? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. Oh my God, such. I mean, that is. I mean, if that's not the community at its finest, you know what I mean? When I, think, I heard that, I was just so excited. I think there's there's few communities in 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 the fan in fandoms that really come together and really do. You know, genuine. They they genuinely care about the community and they genuinely genuinely care about who they're working with. And the 501st and the Mandal Mercs and the Rebel, um, was it the Rebel Legion, they all really do, like, they're cosplay charities, and they all really do have a passion for Star Wars and helping just people in their areas for whatever it is, like sick kids or, or whatever. But just giving them that a little bit of homage in an official piece of Star Wars is really cool. Just in case anyone uh, listening doesn't know what we're talking about, basically, for the last episodes of The Mandalorian, um, they basically needed more stormtroopers. So they, uh, John Favreau and the rest of the team put out a cast, uh, casting call to the 501st so that uh, they could come in and act as the extra stormtroopers in that scene. And uh, apparently from, I think, what we heard at Celebration, uh, Favreau was saying that they were amazing. They were so easy to work with. Um, they barely needed any direction. Like they actually knew, like the movements, the how stormtroopers behave. They were actually giving coaching lessons to the actors mm-hmm. because they are stormtroopers day in day out for right. the most oh, part. Okay. And their their and their costumes are screen tested. That's one of the main requirements to be in the five of first is that it needs to be, um, movie screen ready. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I I hadn't heard that they were actually giving uh, directions to some of the other actors, but that's awesome. Like they, they gotta uh, yeah, come they, in. They gotta, they gotta show is. these casuals what <laughs> <laughs> these filthy casuals. That's right, <laughs> Bobby. This is why we have you on the podcast, my friend. <laughs> All right, uh, Ed, do you want to get into some interview questions for Vanessa? Absolutely. We're gonna get you the first most generic question I can think of. How did you first get into Star Wars? Ooh, okay. Um, so I've always been, in, I, from a young age, I got into Star Wars. Um, it, I, um, my father, I would watch the movies with my father and um, also watch him play the Star Wars computer games as a way to bond with him. But around, I would say, 11 years old is when I kind of became the master, so to speak. I surpassed <laughs> my father and became the master. Um, I had my family moved to France, so I left all my friends, all my familiar environments, and moved to a foreign com- uh, country. And one day as I was looking, walking around my house trying to find something to do, I found a, a box of books, of Star Wars books that my mom had given to my father, but he had not read yet. And I just became hooked um, into Star Wars lore, the stories, the overall universe. And I've been hooked ever since. Um, I, 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 there's a book, if there's a video game, if there's a story, I'm, I'm most likely going to be on it and absorbing it quite vigorously. Nice. <laughs> that, Wow. <laughs> like that is a story and a half all like moving across countries and finding the passion somewhere you would least expect like, yeah that exactly. is awesome it was, but it's then, all, Star Wars has always been my constant so if that's the case then you you have to have some kind of favorite memory in that in like a massive story there's got to be at least one moment where you'll never forget there's so many. I mean, last year was my first celebration, but the one that I think the first Star Wars memory I have, and I apologize for the background noise. My cats are currently destroying my blinds. No worries. Um, 
um, my first Star Wars memory, um, it was probably me just sitting at the dinner room table just trying to make sense of how episodes four through five were actually the first Star Wars movies actually made. And my father just trying to drawing a diagram of how the the entire thing made sense, essentially. (laughs) And like him, the the basics of Star Wars and how it was like revolutionary. And then um, that kind of laid the grounds of my understanding. And it's always been something I look back fondly on because I mean, while it's Star Wars and has become kind of my own thing where my family doesn't quite understand how I freak out about a dark saber. Spoiler alert yeah. for those that <laughs> dark saber reveal in Mandalorian. Like I, how they see me like freaking out about that. But it's just a really I credit all of my passion towards them. No, that's wow. Again, like <laughs> deep I stuff, wasn't right? expecting deep, deep stuff to come out so early in the podcast. Oh uh, no, we need, we need more beer than that. Shots for every time Vanessa goes deep. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I say challenge accepted. All right, next question. (laughs) Yeah, so while trying to discover the whole pattern and what fit together from 4, 5, and 6, and 1, 2, and 3, you know what? Let's throw in 7, 8, and 9 now because we can. And Solo Uh, and Rogue One. Don't forget those. Oh, boy. The fillers. Which movie do you like the most? Um, it changed throughout my life. I mean, I'm sure as a kid, my favorite was probably Phantom Menace because Jar Jar Binks was hilarious. I love that movie. Dan, you finally have a, this is why, this is, this is how you knew you found your peer. (laughs) (laughs) But I think now that I've matured and I'll bet, and overall, um, I think, I mean, I have to say Empire. I mean, it's Flushed, it flushed out the whole Star Wars universe for the first time and then also solidified Hanalei's relationship. So, I'm going to dip out, guys. Yeah. See you later. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Take your episode one with you. But Rogue One is closely followed by Rogue One. Rogue One was excellent, nice. I thought. Oh, it was good. Yes. But, yeah. But I love them all relatively equally. Um, they all have their flaws. But, I mean, when you look back and step back in hindsight, I mean, it's Star Wars. I mean, it's... No, it's got its warts and all. It doesn't necessarily. I mean, you you have a walking carpet and like a giant scrolling ball of t- uh, wall of text and that floats into space. It doesn't necessarily have to make sense, but you have it leaves it just enough for you to want more and try to figure it out. Again, here I go going deep again. I was gonna say, take a shot. That is the most <laughs> diplomatic <laughs> answer of 2020 we will have for Star Guys, Wars. Guys, I'm way too drunk to Good. be doing shot. <laughs> Good. That's what we want, Bobby. We want, we want, we want inebriated Bobby on the podcast because it just makes it so much more fun. Well, going back into the memories. All right. Moving back. All right. Next question. Most prized Star Wars item or memorabilia or something. You got to have a story there. Oh gosh. Okay. So fun one. I have a Yoda backpack. I don't, you guys probably see them walking around the conventions. I think you saw it at celebration where I have this Yoda backpack that oh, yeah. like literally is a Yoda plushie that I can wear on my back. And I, I go that, I wear it to conventions. I wear it to Disney. I wear it like it's my, my, yeah, me is Luke Skywalker in training, so to speak. That's one of my favorites. But the one that I think is most prized to me is um, kind of kind of delves into Star Wars history a bit. Um, so the first original star- lightsabers, uh, the lightsaber hilts of Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, fun fact, are an antique camera flash. Star Wars was a really low-budget film 
for the time. And they had found, the, they went to an antique shop, so to speak, and I'm butchering the story, but they went to an antique shop and found these antique camera flashes from an old vintage camera. And um, they then altered them and made them the, ba the basic hilt for Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader's lightsabers. And I'm um, while digging through my grandfather's old piles of junk, I managed to find one of those lightsaber hilts or oh, wow. camera flashes. And so oh, I, I kind of walk around with that and they're like, where'd you get that? And it's like, oh, nothing. So that's a fun <laughs> one. It's a good that's conversation. Fantastic. That's yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, that's a good conversation piece. I, I One day I might alter it. We'll see. <laughs> Gotta put some. We won't uh, wait for that. Day. Some of those good Galaxy's Edge crystals inside of it. Light it up. Yeah, I was gonna make say, it... you, you exactly. Should, you know, I should because yeah, those like ahead. I went to Galaxy's Edge and it's stunning. Oh my god, I am so oh. envious right now. Mm. You guys have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll do a podcast like right from Galaxy's Edge. It'll be oh, great. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> on 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 the ground in Galaxy's Edge. On the in the holy place. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just, I just want to see you walk into the saber shop and be like, no, no, I brought my own. I just, yeah. I'm just here for the <laughs> I just, I'm just gonna hit a crystal. I wanna, I wanna just take it apart here and put it together. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Normal Jedi stuff. It's expensive though. Like it's what they say is true. It is like Galaxy's Edge is the place for rich nerds. Like yeah. they have, if you've seen some of the prices in the, in that lightsaber antique shop, it's they're insane. Like Le Leia's ceremonial necklace is like a, I think over a thousand dollars yeah i've seen oh, some wow. of the memorabilia and they like you can get some like paintings and stuff that are up on doc under's like wall that are in his shop that you can actually buy and they're like thousands like i think there's something in there that is ten thousand dollars i don't know what it is i can't remember off the top of my head but i think wow. it's ten thousand dollars i'm like why disney Money. exactly so, so um, robes are they're, they're actually pretty good quality but they're also expensive you can buy an entire full set of like um first order armor um, oh, wow. Darth Maul's oh. lightsaber. We, I, my friend and I asked. We had to ask, like, can we see it? And they looked at us like, why? I'm like, dudes, we just want to see it. It <laughs> comes in two separate pieces that you have to buy. Oh, of course. So, yeah, Jeez. but it's so cool. That's cool. So what I'm hearing is that uh, when we go to Galaxy's Edge, we'll be able to afford the pop bottles. Yes. And uh... not even. <laughs> There's like, they're like, I think, I think like what, seven, ten bucks? They're not yeah. It's not too bad. We're, and on top of that, we have to convert from Canadian, so it's another 30% on top of that. So for us, yeah. it's like... Uh, you didn't hear this from me, but I'll try to give you my uh, Florida resident discount. We'll see. There you go. Now there you can go. get one of you, at least. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. I'll, I'm excited to go to Galaxy's Edge, so uh, I'm waiting for that hotel to open so we can do the whole experience. Yeah. Oh, gosh. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we all bunk in one room because that's the only way we can afford it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm so used to sleeping on the floor, always. And... <laughs> convention, convention life. <laughs> Yeah, oh. I mean, you know, plus at home, my mom had a weird way of raising me. So, you know, You're on the I'm times. just I'm just used to, yeah, like beds were such a luxury, you know? Exactly. It's <laughs> perfect. All right. So we have our fun fact moment of the podcast. Uh, Vanessa, for just your info, uh, pretty much every podcast, we do something, a question of something that could either be from our past, whether it be like, you know, what's your favorite lightsaber hilt? Your your grandfather's in this case, uh, or you know, what's your favorite starship or something like that? So this week, uh, another deep moment you might be able to provide. What is your favorite non-movie moment, or it could be a whole arc? It could be into the books or the extended. Yes, yeah. like, this can be. We this can, can be that, anything. Yeah? Like anything. Okay. Um, I thought I, I thought about I'm thinking about it, but probably if I love the rule of two, like the whole backstory of that yes. about how that, that, 
But the Thrawn trilogy, um, it's kind yes. of poignant now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, especially sorry. with the last, with the move, um, with the um, Rise of Skywalker that just came out. Because spoil, I really, I mean, I mean, if you haven't read the, the Thrawn trilogy Give by now, this point, you're listening. <laughs> yeah, you have it through a few seconds, and the Thrawn trilogy revealed that Palpatine was still alive through cloning. And um, if you and if seen, since you all have seen Rise of Skywalker, um, they never really flushed out how he came back, but they insinuated that it was dark, like Sith dark cloning. And so it kind of gave a, the, me vindication because I still struggle with uh, with the fact that the EU is not canon anymore. Um, you got, a, you got oh, two I, different timelines in your mind. I, exactly. That's, like, that was like for the longest time I had. I, I studied every single book. I studied every little detail because like my goal was I'm going to go to Lucasfilm and know everything and it'd be perfect. And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's not canon anymore. So your entire life that you've been studying every single little detail is not now. And I'm just like, yeah. so. But, but what I'm hearing it, is that what I'm hearing is that we can swap out uh, Dan with Vanessa, and then we can run an EU podcast. Okay, guys, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> now, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, we'll, train, is, we'll train the young one. We'll train him. There we go. This is this is my understanding of the the. The EU canonized, not canonized type of thing. I, I've seen a couple of YouTube videos that said that the EU still exists in Legends. And like all of the things that have yeah. happened in the EU, the characters within canon Star Wars know about it. They just don't know if it's true or not. I could like I've, I've heard that. I've heard that. But officially, um, they haven't said that. No. That's kind of... Um, that's, I, th yeah. I think at least, um, that they... They said that the legend stuff is is like legends lore that like instead of the characters in the universe knowing it, we know it, and it's kind of like a legend that you know it might have happened, it might not have happened in the canon current the current canon timeline. But yeah, I don't I don't know if the the characters in the actual Star Wars universe yeah. or galaxy um, yeah, kind of like, have that knowledge. Yeah, it's kind of where how I feel about it. It's like where character it's in stasis where the the quote unquote canon like pick out the stories that they like that things that are true things that are not because they they like for mandalorian like these guys were diehards um and they knew so many facts that had only been ever flushed out in, uh, in the extended universe mm -hmm. um so it's kind of like i mean extended universe like for the longest time was kind of like gave, like uh, they all the writers and whatnot would go to lucasfilm they would go to george Lucas himself and say, "Do you approve of this?" And he would give a nod, saying, "Yes or no." So, I mean, Mara Jade, like the the the, back, the background overall was approved by George Lucas. He kind of gave them Disney a roadmap, and then then Disney said, "No, we're going to do our own thing," which I respect in its own way. But um, that kind of leads me like, what if we discuss the um, Rise of Skywalker? There's some little things that I mean that who absorbs all those details and learns every story. I'd noticed a few discrepancies between the story as that star Wars or the Disney had come up with and the most recent rise of Skywalker. And it's interesting to see where we're going to go from here. Mm -hmm. No more. What were you going to say? Yeah. As, as far as I know, like the old Republic stuff could still hold up as being legends that we're not quite sure of, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the, in the current, you know, the four five and six and onwards that is just, basically been retconned now and some of that's fine i mean you i don't think anyone's gonna complain that ewok adventures isn't canon anymore are you kidding me man that oh. is the best story out of them all <laughs> i want me oh, some boy, wicked I, yeah i need more wicked 
oh yeah, that's what everyone's been saying. But yeah, and and it's 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 not to see some things be pulled in from legends like you know Thrawn and Rebels and stuff like that. But it, it always hurts to know that things like Mara Jade they just can't do that anymore because that was I don't know. Like if they pulled the it would be, be interesting on in how they do it, and they'd have to do it differently. But well, it, you almost basically can't now because of how seven, eight, and nine have played out. But I don't know. It it always just it, it always struck me as kind of weird when you know they're saying, oh, you know, uh, Star Wars has always been missing strong female characters. We've been doing this and this, and I'm like, but you've got you've got one right over there. She's got a purple lightsaber and everything, and it's been awesome for you know a decade plus. But all right, if you want to do your own thing, then by all means. That's the heartbreaking part because it was canon for the longest time. Yeah, and all of it is yeah, it's been redone. So, and the nice yeah. thing is they pull from it a little bit from here and there. So I hope they exactly. do that, like Kotor, bring it back, bring Revan, make a movie series about it or a television series, and we're all happy. Bring Keanu Reeves. Revan's canon now. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, as that's Revan. right. Episode nine. Yep. Revan, episode nine, make Revan canon. It's a slight nod, but his sigil was there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's good. Bobby. Oh, hey there. Favorite favorite non-movie moment and or arc? Yes. Moments and arcs are so different. Can I give you one of each? Yeah, of course. Go for it. Um, so I've always had a soft spot for the Umbara arc from Clone yeah. Wars. The um, Bounty Hunter arc? Uh, no, it's Crisis when... Crisis on Umbara? Uh, yeah, it's Crisis on Umbara where Anakin gets called back to the Jedi Council and General Krell takes over for him. Oh, yes, that's yeah. Exactly what I was... Man, like, when, th- when I saw that arc for the first time, like, there are so many great nods to the prequel trilogy. There are so many great, um, there are so many great, like, self-aware kind of, like, internal arc moments for the clone troopers about... Like dogma can't just be like this, this, you know, this soldier that blindly follows orders. And then you have everyone kind of struggling with their morality. Um, You have Krell when he, you know, was uh, being first confronted by by Rex and the team. Uh, He came up and they were like, you're being relieved of duty. And he turned around and he goes, it's treason then. And I was like, oh, my God, like, like you you took this. Thing. I mean, the prequels are large, like love them, hate them, what, like whatever, it doesn't matter. But that line, along with many other lines, like, you know, I hate sand or whatever, that line's kind of thought of as like a joke. There are so many memes. It's an iconic Star about- Wars line. Yeah, so like when you take it out of something and put it in something like this to, in my opinion, something that is a lot more serious and more dramatic because, you know, the, the prequels are a little bit campy and it was hard to kind of take it seriously at times. Um, when people are just like, when, you know, Palpatine's going and doing like a million spinnies. Yeah. It's, <laughs> when you put it in this situation, I was just like, oh my God, like they're, they're reshaping my memory of, of hearing those types of things. And I remember, um, when everything kind of happened and you find out that the clones are actually attacking one another and they don't know because they think the enemy. Yeah, stole. that was, that was like dark. And he, ran across the field stop 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 they're they're clones they're clones and he went over to the uh the commander on the other side and uh he was just like dying being like but it was you and he died with a tear rolling down and that shit makes me cry every single time that's a that's a really good arc i remember i love that arc i think that it was some of the best it was some of the i mean obviously ahsoka on trial for murder obviously darth maul like all those things were amazing but for some reason the umbara arc really stuck with me and i think it, it was because we 
spent no time with kind of like main trilogy characters. I loved exploring um, Rex's morality, all the Rex other clones awesome. and and everything else like that. Um, so I love that. Uh, but a moment, and I don't know if I'm just excited, but to be completely candid, I think my favorite Star Wars moment of not only non-movie, but of all time, I think it has to be the cold open to the finale of Mandalorian. <laughs> I really think that's my favorite. I'm talking about when IG-11 comes up with those two uh, yeah. uh, troopers, troopers. And they have this amazing, like, improvisational, like, you can totally tell Taika Waititi uh, directed it. What'd you say? Sorry. That's totally Takia. That like I could see that, and that's just yeah. his directional thing. Like if you've ever seen what we do in the shadow, that's just his type of like way of depicting things. Like Jojo Rabbit too. Like it's satirical comedy. It's just perfect. It is. It and so I didn't good. know if you guys knew, but um, one of those scout troopers was Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Oh wow. I yeah. thought I heard some. I thought I recognized a voice. Um, he was the he was the one on the right. Um, but I really thought that intro had everything. I thought it it gave you a more like realistic look at um, a realistic look at at you know they're not just making them kind of just they gave them oh they have questions they are curious they are afraid they are you know what I'm saying like they're they not just blind yeah they have personality and, and it gave a lot you know a lot of weight to the current situation and i was just like yo if i was sitting there with my buddy who was a scout trooper and he picked something up i'd be like dude let me see it I, you could dude you got to see it i want to see it this should happen i was just like this is fantastic and then they obviously had this super meta joke of like the bad aim which i thought mm -hmm. was very very funny um they set it up perfectly like obviously i know they put in like hitting baby yoda i know that they put that in so everyone would fucking hate them because every time I watched it with different people, every single time when they hit Baby Yoda, there was like a like a little a little bit of a chuckle between like everybody in the room. Oh it's no, I laughed every time. It's it's because because they know that those guys are fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just the, the show's way of telling you these guys will get very hurt very soon. And I loved it. And yeah. Destroyed by a, a nursing droid. IG eleven shows up. He's a just a fucking badass. And He's then there's this like little really adorable heartfelt moment when he was just like, that was unpleasant. I'm sorry you had to see that. And then he just drives away. And then the and then you hear the music and the and the logo comes up. And I was just like, honestly, right. that was some of the best Star Wars I've ever that it had action, it had comedy, it had, you know, it was great. So that's that's my moment and arc. All right, Ed. Yeah, no, Umbaro was definitely a big one. I feel the same way as Bobby on that one, like to a T. It is great to see something like that. But non-movie moment. You know what? I'm going to throw in playing KOTOR for the first time. Playing through yeah. all that story. Evan was you kind of thing. And you're just like, <gasps> I was the guy. Oh, okay. You now I'm going to go evil again. <laughs> but like I was already doing bad stuff to begin with up to that point. So it's like, dark yeah, side this, this is man. expected. I, I don't know if you guys know this about Ed, but when we went to see, um, when we went down to Cellar Celebration for the first time with Ed in uh, Chicago, we got to meet uh, Ian McDermott. I was getting an autograph from him. And so I was like, Ed, come on along. Like when we when we get to, went up to talk to Ian McDermott and uh, I was just shaking his hand and everything. He's like, is your is your friend okay? And uh, I look at Ed and Ed's just saying, is this like, 
just this awe-spiring look in his eye, and he's just like frozen in place. <laughs> and he's just like, I think, did a tear roll down your cheek? I don't remember. Oh, but a single manly tear. I said, yeah, he, he just really loves what you've done with the Emperor and just your performance and everything in the dark side. He's like, you, you should have been like, oh, no, sorry. He was just thinking of the Umbara arc. Right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> a PTSD kicking in. <laughs> just in the, in, the, in the middle of a, a meeting. And uh, he's like, does he want to shake my hand? I'm like, Ed? And you're like, yes, please. Like, yes. And it was like the most sincere meeting meeting the, the Emperor and Ian McDermott as the actor. is just a moment for Ed that really, I think, so did, uh, I'm summed up his dark side. Out. No. He revealed himself um, during the first reveal of the trailer. Yeah, that was we, said, again. we met him just before that. It was the same day. Oh, I would have failed to be in that room. <laughs> Long story short, Ed and the Dark Side are one and the same. Noma, mm-hmm. your turn, bud. Man, this is the problem with going second last. Is a lot of the things I had uh, <laughs> have been said now. So my favorite kind of non-movie arc is it's also like the end of the Mandalorian. It's been a it's been a fantastic journey. And I think my favorite part has basically of that was, you know, the Mandalorian itself has been a really interesting kind of Western gunslinger kind of vibe within the Star Wars universe, which I, at least for me, it's worked perfectly so far. But then with this last episode, seeing that kind of full epic bombastic Star Wars action mm-hmm. come in and mix mm-hmm. with the gunslinger mentality is, my God, it was so so cool to watch like i had a blast that episode i think a really big thing too was that it was 47 minutes long instead of 37 minutes it's like mm-hmm. give us 45 yeah, so minute episodes every time in. please give us an hour oh, yeah. right like yeah but, the yeah. witcher an eight hour, episodes please? an hour each time it's like come one on one of them was yeah. over an hour yeah oh yeah one was oh, like yeah. an hour six minutes for witcher so. something like that so nice. come on guys and then uh favorite non-movie moment um I, I didn't actually even remember this until Ed brought up KOTOR, but KOTOR 2 had such an interesting kind of like thesis to it, I guess. Just mm-hmm. listening to Kreia at the end of that and then kind of – she has this really good argument about how technically the Force is evil or enslaving. And it just keeps perpetuating this cycle of destruction between good and evil. And that whole kind of – I guess spoilers if no one's played uh, KOTOR 2 yet – but that kind of whole end game of trying to completely obliterate the force so that free will can theoretically then actually exist within the Star Wars world. I remember just sitting there and listening to that because the first time I played it was with the restored patch content where you get all this stuff. Mm. I was just going, I don't, I can't process this. This is just, this is too much. It then also makes so much sense on, on how her journey with you has been. And yeah, I just remember that being at like as I, I went into Kotor two originally thinking, well, wow, there's no way they can outdo the plot twist in Kotor one, but man, that what they hit you with is is just yeah, man, oh man. Yeah. So Dan, what about you? The Mandalorian arc in the Clone Wars uh, TV series, what what it did for Obi Wan Kenobi as a character and bringing him and Satine together, bringing Darth Maul into Mandalore, creating Death Watch as Ma- as Maul's army and just taking over an entire planet that is a peaceful planet and making it this war-based society again and to serve under uh, a guy that is being puppeted by Maul and just the the one scene is the one when Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out in his Mandalorian disguise 
and he walks out the blast doors open and just like this wide shot obi-wan kenobi in the middle and just mandalorians just fighting back and forth explosions happening fire all over the place it is one of the most like spine chilling emotional scenes that i can remember in star wars that really just spoke to like wow this the planet is like screwed like honestly there's nothing else and the faction between death watch and the faction of the mandalorians that were um was it what's her name Satine's sister Bo-Katan. Uh, um, Bo-Katan. and all of the mandalorians there that were fighting against them Satine's death and how that affected obi-wan and everything that happened there and what that meant for not only the the galaxy at large but for specific characters plus obi-wan in a mandalorian outfit like with a lightsaber is there anything else you need bring that skin to battlefront 2 guys i would pay monies for this you know what else i really loved about that arc i mean obviously you talk about how amazing it was for obi-wan and it was it it made his character have so much more depth in the grand scheme of things when you look at him from the first movie to you know all the way until his death but it also i feel like did a lot for anakin's character seeing it when when anakin he he kind of was like uh messing with obi obi-wan a little bit where he was just like hey so like uh what's going on with that girl yeah and he yeah was just, oh, yeah God. On an old mission, I did this. And he's like, oh, well, that sounds pretty romantic. And he's kind of like prodding at him a little bit. And he sees that he likes uh, likes her and cares for her and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like it almost nudges him. He That is the, a, mo- a moment of clarity with him where he realizes just like, fuck, if my master wants to be with this person, he should be with this person. And it almost makes his secret relationship make more that, sense. Yeah, it makes sense. He how it affected Obi-Wan. And hurts him um, so a lot it, too. Yeah, it it made I think it made, you know, if you want to go back and watch the movie, the movies, it it makes Anakin's kind of like you know leaving the Jedi Order and the Jedi way behind. I think it makes it make more sense. And I think the Clone Wars is really really good at doing things like that. Specifically um, for Anakin's character, they saved Anakin yeah, in the Clone really Wars did. TV series, one hundred percent. Um, Matt Lanter. And, and it also kind of flushed out, like uh, his relation, that relationship kind of flushed out his fear of losing Padme because, like, yeah. he saw how, what like Satine did to his master, and he did, like, I mean, besides his mother's death, I mean, he mm-hmm. didn't want to lose Padme. Yeah. And then, in his own anger, he killed her. <laughs> <laughs> so many no. Yeah. All right. Oh, there's a, there's uh, there's also there, there's a I guess it's a meme at this point that I've been seeing everywhere where it's one of the lines where um, I can't remember if it's Ahsoka or Obi Wan is talking to Anakin and and they say like oh if you think if you think uh, training a Padawan's bad what would happen if you were in charge of younglings and Anakin just goes you kidding I'd probably kill them all and it's like oh god <laughs> <laughs> and he does um, yeah. all right if you have your favorite non-movie moment or arc you are more than welcome to jump onto twitter at voice force pod and tweet us back using the hashtag force fun fact to let us know what your favorite non-movie moment or arc or both are and uh see if they're the same different or if you hate everything we just said <laughs> now guys the voice of the forest we have a few things we talk about this is our news discussion show sometimes just discussion show itself and what we discuss, things can range anything from video games, TV shows, comics, uh, books, novels, movies, general news, anything in the fandom that we've heard, rumors that we've heard, uh, board games and miniatures, 
any upcoming events, and any general news relating to Star Wars fandom. How about them miniatures, Noma? How about them miniatures? Oh, man. So something real <laughs> dangerous happened to me in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I was gifted for Christmas uh, from a friend the Star Wars Legion Clone Wars starter set. Okay, Noma, which... Noma quick, before you, before you continue that, how much money yeah. since you got that starter kit have you dropped on Star Wars Legion? Uh, so, zero dollars. <laughs> oh, perfect. Because I'm forcing myself not to, and there aren't any releases for the Clone Wars game yet. Oh, damn. So you can't get so anything yet. Don't give me too much credit. Yeah, no, there's basically, there's nothing exists right now. Um, but yeah, so now, uh, like a true crazy person, I now play every single Star Wars board game. No, sorry. I now play every single Star Wars miniatures game and card game that is currently in existence. And still running. And this is why we love you. Sure, that's one way <laughs> to, to talk about my d- crazy addiction. But, <laughs> Good but uh, yeah, so it, it, it's been interesting. Once I start getting some games in, I'll let people know what it's about. At some point at this right now that I've got this, I'm probably going to start Empire because they have Death Troopers and I'm very weak. So, you know, also, it's speaking, just one more. One thing I did find out is, speaking of Krell, uh, General Krell or whatever his name was, uh, he's available as a playing card in one of those games. I don't know which one. Maybe yeah, the Betray You card. <laughs> it's yes, treason. Uh, Des- so Star Wars Destiny. That's the card game. He's he's one of the heroes that you can get. And heroes uh, in quotation marks. A- yeah, right. I'm actually not sure either if he's Republic or Separatist. I'm assuming he's Republic, but no fucking Separatist. <laughs> <laughs> if not, Bobby's gonna buy that card and graffiti on a Separatist. Yeah, just just burn it. I will say though, man, I, for for a character that I hate a lot, it, they did such a good job of making me be like, man, this guy's an asshole. And then he pulled out the double, the two double blade yeah. lightsabers and went, oh no, now he's cool. <laughs> he's a cool <laughs> asshole, and I have to like him. Oh no. No, well, I it's it's funny because I mean, it, Dan knows this. Uh, on my streams, I do a lot of uh, martial arts combat breakdown, yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm 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 a big I'm a big time martial artist and a big fan of fight choreography. And the number one thing you don't do is you don't dual wield like bow staffs because you just can't. Like it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like you you don't yeah. do it. You need two hands to control it, but. They did it, and it made sense because he has four arms. Yeah, yeah. Like, or ar- arms, rather, yeah. So when they did that, I was just like, wait, that is the dumbest. Okay, <laughs> all right. They, That's they got it. Like, they got a cheat code. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, the combat the combat with it was awesome. All right, so from there, you guys have probably heard this a couple times before, but just in case, if you want to get in contact with the podcast, you can email us at voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Uh, once again, that's voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. We've also got a Twitter, which is at voiceforcepod. And if you can, retweeting our new episodes uh, does help with growing our listener base and is very appreciated. We've also got a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash voiceforcepod. And we've also got our website, www.voiceoftheforce.com. And now we're going to continue the uh, time-honored game of seeing how fast we can get through all of the podcast platforms we're on. So, uh, Vanessa is going to try the challenge this time. So, Vanessa, if you're all ready to go. All right. All right. Here we go. All right. Deep breath. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean. Uh, reviewing helps with visibility. Subscribe for free on the latest episode content as soon as it releases. There you go. Not there too bad. Go. All right. Uh, discussion topics. We have fallen order. Uh, we do have fallen order, Ed. Let's go for it. Who on the podcast right now has either played uh, Fallen Order or not finished it yet? I have platinumed it, so. I finished. I played it. I have played it and I have not finished it. Okay. Ooh. So we will curb this as much as possible. If you, if you guys want to talk about spoilers, it's totally okay. Well, I, I, sure? I think we'll, we'll stay away from um, the story elements. There's some crazy. Bobby, there's one, buddy. I can't tell you. I really. <laughs> That's can't. right. There is one. If you if you guys think that the the shit that drops is so awesome that you want me to experience it, I will take that and I will do it. Let's stay away um, from story spoilers for the most part. Yeah, I'll stay can. away from that. I'll, gameplay is what I'll talk about mostly. So do I, man. I want to talk about uh, gameplay so bad. All right. <laughs> uh, you know what? Dan, kick it off, and I'll I'll supplement where I can. Where do if I begin? Um, oh, don't like. <laughs> I I played on the PlayStation Four. I think anybody else playing the play, PS Four? I know Ed and Noma. You're playing on PC. Bobby, uh, what are you playing no, on? I played it on the. I played on I'm PS4. On- I'm on, I'm on PS4. PS4. I played Xbox One. Xbox One. So we have every console here because, Ed, you said PS4 okay. as well? Uh, pro, yeah. Okay. So my experience with the PlayStation, which apparently has the most technical issues, is there, <laughs> there's some pretty good ones. So during combat, uh, you'd be you know running around and you might pop up with like three people or four people in front of you. I'm not going to tell you what kind of characters or enemies they are, but there's like three or four of them. And then suddenly your game goes from like, I guess, 60 frames per second down to like four frames per second. And like everything is super choppy and you're trying to like fight these guys. And you're like, I could use four stasis right now, but I don't need to because everything is being like super laggy. So it's all good. It's just when there's enough assets on the screen, I'm assuming it's a back end coding problem that they have that they haven't updated yet. But it, it was just very, very choppy at, at points in the game. The other part was that when you're running from one area to another, and this I experienced more often in the post-game, going back to planets to get the Platinum Trophy and make sure I had everything. Um, going from one area to another, if you go fast enough, it like if you're just running like and avoiding bad guys and stuff like that and going to the next, next area, the game will actually stop, pause for about, no word of lie, about a minute, uh, with a little logo that's like uh, loading in the bottom right, and you will like see in front of you the actual assets and textures start to populate one at a time, and it was just like, wow, that really takes you out of the game for like going around the planets and stuff like that. But this, this, this is for PS4. This is for PS4. Yeah, this is this is something that I've apparently I've heard that this is mostly for PS4, not much else. The one thing that really got me was I was talking to my cousin and I was like, yeah, Jedi Fallen Order, it's pretty good. It's not bad. It's got some good combat things and whatnot. And like, it does lag from time to time. So he sat down with me to play it and he was playing with me for just like maybe five minutes. And I never had this happen except for when he was here. And I, I force pulled a enemy towards me and I fell down. I died. I respawned in my PS4 blue screen. <laughs> Oh my god! It like aired out so much that it just blue screened and turned off my PlayStation. I'm like, oh, all right, 
Okay. Wow. Back well, that into the game. So Yikes. that was that's like as I progressed through the game, the lag issues you kind of got used to. But yeah, it was just it was just like some technical issues that they really need to work on to make it to make the flow of the game a little bit nicer and not take you out of it. Um, now the one thing I have to say though, the controls when you first play on the at least on the PlayStation, um, Noma, you you talked to me about this uh, a little while ago. You said switch the controls mm. to like a Neo kind of control setting or like yeah, a Sekiro. Right. Sekiro. And because kind of I'm like I'm trying to hit the controls on like my PlayStation controller, and I'm like this doesn't feel right, and you're trying to remember what buttons do what but i switched it to like god of war um for the playstation controls uh the, the new god of war and it was like i came back to the game and i'm like i know exactly what button does what which was very useful but those are just some of the things that really i didn't enjoy but there were a lot of story elements that were that were fun um i don't want to get into them because i don't want to spoil anything for it but there was a lot of there's the planets were really cool the planets you get to go to um mm. The enemies you face, there's a decent variety of those. I did like the planet bosses. Um, yep. There's one for each planet, which is kind of cool. Um, and just one, like... one of the planets might be a lot more annoying than all the other ones. Not that I'm going to death or name any names. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, anybody yeah. else want to drop any other information about Jedi Fallen Order and what their experience has been with it? Yeah, sure. So I played on Xbox One. I'll stay away from the plot, but it was a little janky. There were some moments where I would I fell through the game. That's happened to me. Yeah, I fell, and it was this bottomless pit. I'm like, well, if I don't, if I quit right now, I'm gonna have to start all over. So I'm like praying at some point, like the game figured out that I'm not actually falling endlessly. I am about to die. The other thing that really bugged me, and it wasn't necessarily, I don't, I don't really feel like it's the program. It might have been. The zip, like, there's a, this part where you have zip lines. I hate that part. Um, and mm. I, I, I was losing my shit at this little canyon because I'm like, he's the one that helps you get onto the zip line. And I would just like do a okay. running jump and just fall. I, I was losing my shit. I wasn't necessarily expecting it. Like the gameplay has a lot of like um, Tomb Raider elements to it, oh, where yeah. the, the puzzles. And I necessarily wasn't expecting that. And um, near the end, I wasn't. I didn't actually hate it. But there's some parts where I'm just like, I just want to play the story. I just want to find out what happens next. I don't necessarily want to figure out where this goes, where, and how to do this. But and then like fall through the floor again. But I um, mean, overall, I mean, once you get past like the jankiness and the stupid zip lines and the falling through and the and the glitches. I mean, overall, this, I'm, I'm not going to go delve into the story. The story was excellent. Um, I did cry in certain points. And I did, but I think overall it was an excellent game. No microtransactions. It's what, it gave us kind of a semblance of what Star Wars games used to be. It made me laugh um, so hard at the panel yeah. at Chicago when they said, and there's no microtransactions. And everyone was like, and yeah! Everybody screamed, like, yeah! It's like, that should just be like, if you're playing an RPG, it just should be normal. <laughs> yeah. It really should be. And I, I heard a rumor, like, um, I don't know if it's true or not, but Disney kind of went to EA and they said, this is your last shot. If you screw this up, we're done. Yeah. Ooh. I could see that. I heard Ultimatums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bobby, I have to say with your stream, there's a temple you have to go to and like force push stuff. And like watching you go through that made it so much easier for me to get through because <laughs> I didn't <laughs> get to that part until after you, you played that. And well, uh, it was like... My experience with Jedi is so I really wanted to. So most of the time, I don't play video games on stream a lot. I'm I break down the fight choreography most of the time, or or I'll just chat or do a Q and A or something. Um, but 
you know, because I'm really actually not like a huge gamer. I played Force Unleashed and I loved it. Um, I played like most recently, the, the most recent video game I played like just for fun was um, Spider-Man PS4. Oh, um, so but I, I don't, um, I don't play video games too too much. So I'm not like that good good at them. So the struggle I was facing was, I want to play this on stream because star wars is my strong kind of nerd knowledge and i can i can you know sound like what i, I know what i'm talking about on stream like paulie does because he knows everything about video games <clears throat> sorry i have the hiccups and i don't know if you guys have been hearing it throughout this i hope not we're trying to get rid of these freaking hiccups jesus anyway it up, down. make sure it's busy <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> i've heard that i've heard that you guys want me to try live right now <laughs> yes um, we're gonna this is the content people after- listen to us for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I don't have a lot of video game like experience and I only stream once a week. Every other time it's poly streaming. And I was like, I'm going to play this and I'm not going to play it on my off time because all of the new story elements, I want my candid reaction on stream with the chat, with the community. Um, so Polly's just like, dude, you're going to take the game home. You're going to play it, get better at it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I don't want to get, I don't want to do that. I, everything that I go through, I want to go through it with our community. Um, so I only got to play the game once a week for like three hours. That's hard. Yeah. And I couldn't get good at it like that. And I was going at a glacial pace. Um, so I actually told the chat, I was like, listen, guys, I really want to do this, but like, I feel like I'm not giving you. This isn't better content than me breaking down martial arts combat. Like, it's just not. Yeah, because that, the martial arts combat breakdowns are so much fun. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and, and I switched back to it last week. And I had, like, the best stream, or at least um, for me, like, I felt the best about the stream. You know, I thought it was great content, great camaraderie between the chat. And when I was trying to do... Um, you know, Jedi on stream, I just kind of felt like these guys were watching me struggle and kind of just like schlub through everything and because I could never really get that good at the game. I think um, I, I think but, I remember that. You were on Kashyyyk at the time, were you not? I was. Yeah. Yeah, Kashyyyk uh, is fun. It it was fun and I wanted to keep exploring and, and keep learning and, and keep, you know, getting new abilities and stuff. Um, but I actually took the game home, so I'm just stealing that from Wormwood and I'm just going to play it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as far as like, I loved, um, just going into it. I thought the story was really cool. What I've seen thus far, um, apparently, you know, from what it sounds like you guys is a lot that I don't know about it. So I'm excited about that. Um, but I loved, you know, I love that the, like the, one of the first planets you got to go to is Dathmir, which was so cool. And they just like brought the night sisters like immediately, which was neat. Um, and yeah, something really interesting. I don't know if you guys picked up on it. Um, but one of like the first, the first time you go to, um, I think it's Dathomir, the, what's the, um, the captain's, the captain's name. Oh, Grease. Yeah. So, so he was like, uh. So he was like, oh, yeah, I remember, um, you know, this old Jedi master, green, small, pointy ears. And the girl was just like, what, you mean Master Yoda? And, I, and, and he was just like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about Master Yaddle. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is that is the first time, like one of the first times I've ever heard Yaddle mentioned. And it just seems really, really interesting that it's being brought up because now everyone's talking about Yaddle because of Baby Yoda. Yeah. I don't know. I just 
think it really means anything. I just thought it was very interesting because I had never heard Yaddo like alluded to in other like corners of Star Wars. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, as far as the, like the lagging and stuff, I dealt with some lagging on stream um, and it was a little aggravating, but you know, the has anyone here played the um, the Spider-Man PS4? I played it a little bit, yeah. So, oh my God, like I could not get away with this. There's Insomniac this great, is perfect for those there's games. There's this great move in in that new Spider-Man game where you just press triangle and it just like whips you over to the closest enemy and punches him in the face. And I could not stop hitting triangle <laughs> and I was fucking fighting all these guys because I thought it would just whip me right over. And it doesn't. It was so counterintuitive and awful. And I just like... That's the problem with up. playing games like that. I yeah. was so bad at combat because of how good at combat I was on Spider-Man. What are you playing um, on again, I'm Bobby? Actually, on PS4, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm actually having that same problem as Bobby right now because I'm playing right now Devil May Cry 5. Oh. Um, and there's oh, yeah. one there's three characters you play as and only one of them has an ability where when you hit the B button, he pulls he pulls an enemy over to him. But because I'm switching through all the characters so rapidly, I'll keep hitting that button, and all the other characters do their other move, and one of them is he instead teleports to the guy. Yeah, <laughs> so, so there's been like a, Yeah, so I've had like a half dozen times now where I hit the button, expect to pull the enemy over, and then I dive right into the center of a bunch of enemies and get my ass kicked. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that muscle memory... At least, time, so. at least you're near enemies. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm, in the, yeah, that's true. I'm in the corner, like up against a wall, just like, <laughs> like nonsense. Yeah, surprising. Um, I had a bit of lag issue, but it was always out of of a fight. It's like running around and like, oh, this area is here, and stutter, and then stop. It hit me when I was trying to swing across something, so I just fell. The slides, more than anything, I just couldn't do. Like, you know, you jump on it, you like on Kashyyyk. There's oh, where you're sliding down stuff, stuff, like mudslides. Yeah, you're just surfing now on them, kind of, right? Could not do that for the life of me until, like, late into the game, I just let go of the controller. And it was just like, oh, you're self-writing, you're okay. But then I got hit with lag on that, too. So that was my <laughs> biggest short yeah. shortcoming, I guess, of it, where it was just, no, I don't like this. But uh, a lot of things with the Saber customization, as simple as it is it was still something i took great joy in doing and then just hearing that like oh yeah these are the parts you can use for galaxy's edge and whatever else like of course they do something like that yeah but that was one thing at that least no you know if you that was really cool yeah but it's like at least if you know you really liked one then there's that chance to actually have that like item yeah you can uh, noma can you explain it i i don't remember exactly how oh yeah so so it was basically that uh how they did it was that every single piece in that game is just a piece that you can use at uh, the, the Saber Shop in Galaxy's Edge, from what I'd read. Um, really? So it's just, yeah. So it, and I thought that's such a brilliant marketing move because you can buy Fallen Order and just build whatever lightsaber you. I mean, you have to collect all the pieces, right? You can build whatever lightsaber you want, and you'll know when you, as soon as you go to Galaxy's Edge, you'll just know what pieces you need. I think the only difference was there's there's like super super special pieces you can get at galaxy's edge like a rancor tooth or like a crate dragon talon and put on the ends and those you can't get um but for everything else like the emitters and the hilts and everything it, it just seemed like such a smart move to me right hey 
here's some free advertising. You like how that saber looks? Hey, come over here, spend a crazy amount of money. It can be yours. And I think too, like for people that don't know that, when they play the game and they go to Galaxy's Edge, they'll be like, oh, I've seen this before. Where is, like, mm -hmm. where have I seen that? I really like that piece. I'm going to go with that one. Like, it makes them yeah. want to buy it more too, right? It's a good marketing move. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, super smart. But I'm also, I'm, I'm kind of surprised because all of these issues that, that, you guys were having i i actually didn't run into any of those on piece i actually that's not true I, I ran into a uh a part right near the end where i also fell through the world and then i uh, died respawned still falling and just had to keep doing that until i died like fully ran out of health so that was interesting but yeah i didn't really have any lag or stutter issues or anything like that um maybe it, it was just the pc i was running or something like that the the most for me was just kind of the mechanical stuff which I, I did go over in a previous episode so i won't go too much into it but the only time i ever felt like these controls have a glaring weak point was i if everyone's gotten to the arena boss battle that you have to do yep uh, that was that was, that was just fun. the least really i had no fun with that. i was on the second yep. easiest difficulty oh i switched down from the hard difficulty <laughs> I, like the second hardest yeah. to the one below that and i'm like I can't do this. I'm done. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I. I. had to burn through that on second hardest difficulty, and that that fight is just zero. It's, it's Although, not, you never know when the end is coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the so the only thing the one thing that was interesting was that I found out during the last fight after my twelfth or fifteenth attempt at doing it that you can the the last wave that comes at you you can actually insta kill both of those enemies. It's just hard to do because you have to get a perfect block on the spider and then you have to oh, get two yeah. blocks on the big pot belly monster yeah and then you can kill both of them and as soon as i realized that oh my god fights infinitely easier but man before that there's there's a, a few things that i just want to bring up because you guys reminded me of them one was <laughs> they patched the game because the actual hitboxes and the timing windows were so terrible and so <laughs> hard to do even on like the medium yep. difficulty that i was on that it was like impossible to parry and that impossible makes yeah so they had to update that to make it a little bit more useful um the other thing that really really i don't know bobby if you recognize this too or even ed since you're on the ps4 pro um mm -hmm. that the textures are almost like muddy skin tone like skin textures they they varied from like decent decent texturized skins and like environmental uh, textures to like absolutely it looks like wood is mud and it looks like other things are just like really wet when they shouldn't be i don't know if you guys noticed that or vanessa even on the xbox not as much that. no um but i mean i have a pretty low resolution i was just but I, it, for the most part i think everything looked fine okay okay bobby how about you i understand uh i think i understand what you're saying about the textures um things looked a little off sometimes yeah but I I wasn't being as hypercritical as I typically am because it was all on stream. If I, I feel like if I was playing it alone, I would be like, wow, look at these textures. My God, I can't <laughs> wait to bring this up at the podcast. But I, yeah. I feel like I probably missed out on a lot of that highly critical stuff because I'm, you know, paying attention to the chat or whatever. And I'm just trying to, you Enjoy know, the game. put on a show, I guess. Um, but I do know exactly what you were saying. I noticed it a little bit with hair. Yes. Hair did yes. awesome. Okay. That, that first point you made, too, that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, that's why I was calling it Janky Sekiro because it really felt like it was just a Janky Sekiro. So I'm, I'm curious if I went back now if it would be better, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's good to hear that they did that, though. 
yet, but uh, I'm excited to hear what uh, what you guys think once or Bobby once once you finish it and uh, maybe we can do some discussion of story and stuff like that to see uh, what we all thought about it. Yeah, let's no. do Mandalorian. Woo! Oh, we're So we have Mandalorian Season 1, Chapter 3, The Sin. Synopsis for the episode. Battered Mandalorian returns to his client for a reward, but some deals don't end neatly. Bobby, what'd you make of this episode? Uh, so la I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try it. We have a lot of episodes to cover, so I'm, yeah, I'm gonna do. try <laughs> and not uh, go too deep into everything. Um, yeah, I'll zip through it. But for the finale, I actually rewatched it today specifically for t note taking purposes because nice. there's so much fucking shit I want to talk about because it's so amazing. But anyway, <clears throat> so the last time I was here, I remember being, I'm a very highly critical person. Um, store, I, my love for story and, and narrative outweighs my love for Star Wars. So I am very much in love with Star Wars and the Star Wars universe. If I think the story's bad, I'm like, I can't get into it. And I remember the last time I was here, there was only two episodes out. And my, my critique was kind of just like, it kind of seemed like the show was hobbling along. And then at the end, like a really crazy thing would happen, like Baby Yoda. And then it was just like, yeah. And then the next episode, and then you saw that Baby Yoda had force powers, and you were like, whoa, yeah! And everything else was just kind of just like schlepping through. God, how wrong I was. I'm so glad to be so wrong in my criticism. As soon as episode three came in, I was like, yup, this is like, I love this fucking show, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, there were so many great moments. We don't need to get into it, but when Mando went in there, or we can now call him by his name, when Din went in there and just friggin' laid waste to everybody with pretty much no effort, the Mandalorian, <laughs> you know, Mandalorians came in and, and helped him out, and they flew away. He alluded to the jetpack, and they were on their way, and I was just like, whoo! This is, I'm on board for this story. So chapter three, it, it solidified it for me. I absolutely loved it. Nice. All right, Vanessa, how about you? I loved it. Like kind of similar to them. I, I, when I heard about the Mandalorian, I thought it was going to be this like, dark, like, like really dark show. And so then when I, when mm -hmm. baby Yoda was introduced, I thought like, Oh, I love this character so much, but it's a Mandalorian. They're ruthless. They're, he's going to turn it in and that's going to be at the end of it. Um, and I was just so pleased near the end when he redeems himself and saves the child and then the the bounty hunters are revealed like it was like kind of it, it was like the first major action sequence that we saw and i i absolutely loved it it's where it kind of became like i realized that the show was actually going to be really wholesome and i didn't care like it was going to be it was still really, really great that's what my opinion was but like there were some cool things like on the doctor that took baby if you look on his like arm the fans are thinking that it might be a camino symbol we're not yeah, sure, that's right. but it looks like a Camino doctor sigil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so oh, that whole theory about maybe cloning him or cloning making an army of them. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of the doctor, he said something really interesting in this episode. I believe it was this. Oh, it definitely was. 
um, where he came in, he was like, please, please, no, don't shoot. If it wasn't for me, he'd already be dead. And I was like, huh, mm-hmm. then what the fuck, like what, you know what I mean? I just thought that was a really interesting line and might, might be more key to understanding what they actually have planned for him. Um, and it kind of seems like there's internal conflict. Like there are some people that are like, no, we need to keep it alive. Some people are like, no, it needs to die. But yeah. they all, they're all working towards the same goal. You know what I mean? And I think internal conflict is compelling and interesting. And it seems like, I don't know, it seems like a mystery that we're going to get, you know, uh, satisfying answers for. And, you know, I'm just excited. Yeah. And that, that was something I was kind of curious about because for season two, right, with that whole plot, uh, that, that they're running with now. I was thinking uh, earlier that it, it might be interesting if one of the episodes is the Mandalorian hunting down that scientist to try and learn. Cause mm-hmm. you know, so far he seems to know the most out of all of the other characters that we've met so far, at least about, you know, this baby Yoda. Yeah. Like, and that would be a really cool callback, especially with some of the other things that they're doing. Um, and there's also one thing I'm really curious about, which is, uh, it's it has to do with Ed's uh, reaction to this episode because uh, in our the last time we really talked about it, uh, Ed had only really seen episodes one and two, and he brought up a, uh, a thing that I was also a little bit worried about, which was that the show was gonna f- switch to focusing all on Baby Yoda instead of like Mandalorian and Mandalorian culture and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and once episode three, like Ed, you, you had a really good idea, which was you know binge the whole thing and get all that in. But man, the fact that the next episode. Yeah, was the was the one where all the Mandalorians showed up. I kept being like, "I hey, just watch the next episode. Just watch. You'll see. You'll." It's like, yeah, all, yeah. I'm gonna watch them when they come out. Revealed. I'm gonna watch them when they're all yeah. out. And I'm like, "No, you need to watch it now." Yeah, I, was, I was just like, "Yeah, but that'd be really cool if you saw it now." Um, yeah. So I'm I'm curious, uh, Ed, if if episode three re- uh, kind of allayed your fears or redeemed your hopes for the show. You know what? It really did. Yeah, it really did. I didn't. Like, the reaction I had was one of just uh, not so much, oh, yeah, yeah. It was just like this. I was literally like, this is the way. I was waiting the for them to say Nervod. I was waiting for them to say Nervod and just like no, blow my Nervod, mind. Nervod is now this is the way. Yes, and that's exactly like, that, yeah. That's what it is. Like, there's no Mandoa or anything like that. They're just doing that. And I'm like, you know what? Give them a thing that's theirs and sure. This well, is the, the way. That. I've got... <laughs> like an overall kind of statement for i guess everything so i'll just wait till the end to drop that one just remind me of it but uh yeah episode three was the one to really kick me back into gear because once i sat down and started watching that i had to rip myself away from the screen and be like dude you gotta go to work (laughs) (laughs) but i remember seeing one i was like uh this one i cut like 15 more minutes yeah i i I can i can finish this one and then go and not just stop halfway through (laughs) And I had to have that fight with myself just to go. It's like, I know, I got to see the end of this. But no, this just seeing the same, I guess, I want to call him just a heavy infantry guy. Um, oh, yeah. Who was, who was given Din in the in the little conclave they have there. He was just giving him hell the entire time. He comes through and he's just like, nah, that was earlier. Now that this guy, is the way. Like, this mm, is what we do. That guy's so that was, played by uh, John Favreau, actually. Was it really? Yeah, and he's, yeah. A, he's, really? a, he's a vi- he's a Vizsla. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, yeah. John Favreau voiced Previsla in the Clone Wars TV series, and then he voiced <laughs> and played this character, who's also from the same clan, like from the same family. But he's really oh, cool. That's cool. That's nice, so cool. nice, nice, a lot nod to the Mandalorian and Clone right, Wars series. Full circle. Oh, and then right. also just 
just a minor thing for that episode too. I really like this is the first time we've ever seen a vibro weapon, like what they look like in action. Yeah, oh that's yeah. Re- like that's really cool. That like vague illuminate. You can see it like yeah, you can see it like moving and it's like kind of fading in and out. I really like that. My mind was, like exploded as soon as he's out there and the whole bounty hunter guild is after him and then it just like this is the way and like all every single Mandalorian from the sa- like from the um from the sanctuary below is like oh my god this is nuts mandalorians versus bounty hunters guild it's just it's so much and i love all of it because i love bounty hunters and i love mandalorians and it's just oh man it was everything that i wanted in that episode and i wasn't expecting it like melding them all together at this point i can't differentiate but um what that that shot of when like i think it's when he's being picked up as a child and all the all the the fighting is going on and you're just seeing it from like the jetpack perspective mm. that bird's eye view kind of like, oh yeah that's, that's uh that's episode, episode eight, I think. I th- yeah i think it's episode <laughs> eight it's a little later yeah, yeah see that's the foremost one in my mind but yeah that just speaking of them in general was huge oh it's so good me? so good oh and, and I'll also save, yeah i'll save the facts for that one when we get to that episode but that episode was poignant for like, oh, the my entire God. series oh yeah so uh, last thing I have to throw in is uh, I'm not sure if anybody noticed, but there was a pretty neat Easter egg in episode three. I think I know what it is. Uh, I think I know what it is. Is is it is yeah. that a certain character that gets killed? <laughs> no, actually, I have a different one. Oh, ne- never mind. So uh, I thought this was really cool when the Mandalorian uh, starts using that pulse rifle to disintegrate people. Yeah. Uh, he aims at a dude on the roof and blows him apart. And when I first saw that, I went, "That looks really familiar." And then I watched it again. I went, "Oh, it's the same. It's the same costume as Bosch." If anybody oh, remembers Bosch, yeah, yeah, it's the, because it's got the same mask that Leia had on and everything. Bosch is the bounty hunter that Leia oh. disguised herself as in Episode Six. That's awesome. And it's that same. And the only reason I know is because the helmet goes last and it tumbles down. Oh. So it's that same species that that the Mandalorian blows the bits. That's awesome. In, uh, that shot, yeah. My Easter egg That's was uh, when he's getting the child back or Baby Yoda from them, and he's walking through the compound. Uh, when he goes mm. through this one hallway, you see a whole bunch of storage crates on either side. And apparently mm. one of them is a companion cube from Portal. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, apparently it's a companion cube. Cool. So that was a nice little nod that. to Valve there, uh, which is kind of cool. I, I just read that about t- – I read on that uh, today on the internet. So whether it's uh, completely true – I tried to pause and look for it. I couldn't see it, but it was on my phone. So I see – if you see it on like a TV, you might be able to see it easier. But uh, I think that – that wraps up chapter three. Are we ready to go into chapter four, Sanctuary? Oh, yeah. All right. To the window, to the wall. <laughs> Ed. Tell us what troops down. <laughs> chapter four, <laughs> Sanctuary. The Mandalorian teams up with the next soldier to protect a farming village from raiders. Oh, my God. This, uh, this see, uh, Bobby, as another Clone Wars, like, crazy enthusiastic person about it yeah. um there was an episode th- did this not remind you oh of oh, an episode of hondo it's, ex- oh, yeah. it's exactly <laughs> like the episode yeah yeah from the well Clone it's based Wars. on uh, what's it called uh Seven something Samurai. Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Yeah. Um, and yeah you, you know it's so interesting um this this was i was watching this episode off of my high of of chapter three so i was i was really just ready for it um 
I gotta say, I've looked up a lot of reviews of this, and this seems to be the episode that's getting like most of the negative reviews. I fucking loved this episode. Thank you. Right? I could totally see like I as as a Star Wars fan who watched the Clone Wars and like had that in my mind. I never. I've actually. I regret to say, I've never seen a Seven Samurai, and I really want oh. to, and I really need oh. to do that now. Um, but like after watching the Clone Wars TV series twice and seeing that like arc. This episode really was like I know everything where everything is going right now. Like there's some parts <laughs> where that were different, but there was not a big surprise in it to me apart from like some parts of the Mandalorian and the widow and or the widower, yeah. widow, mm. widow, um, widow, and and th- that kind of thing. But I overall it, it was a beautiful episode. It looked fantastic. Uh, man, there was a lot of good stuff in it, but like the story <clears throat> parts with like the villagers and stuff like that, it didn't really. That part didn't really catch me. It was more the visual that got me. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Bobby. No, no, no worries. Um, I can totally dig that. Um, It's one of those things where, you know, movies set up things like this from time to time where, you know, the – they'll actually do kind of like flash forwards to how things play out. And then you go back and instead of being like, Oh, I don't know where this is going. You just go, okay, well, how do they do it? Um, and that was my mindset going in it. Cause as soon as they, we, they were just like, we'll train you train us to fight. I was just like, Oh my God, they're, you know, they're literally doing the same episode from the clone wars, you know, in this format, which I think is really dope. And, but I thought this set up a lot of really interesting character moments for Din. Um, I loved seeing him in something that's so wildly different than what he's used to, like a a hospitable home and children and, you know, kind of happiness and prosperity. Um, I loved that, uh, yeah, you know, the woman comes in and she's just like, uh, because everyone, everyone had been asking, like, he never takes it off. How the you know, how does he brush his teeth? How does he eat? How does he do all these things? They're just like asking all these like kind of contrived questions. And it's all she automated just, inside the helmet. Yeah. He's got feeding it, well, tubes exactly. and a toothbrush in there. It's all good. He just pushes a button and it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like reverse Pez. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> Everything happens uh, inside. Yeah. Exactly. But no, I loved they answered this question so like they just shut up all of those silly questions she was just like hey when's the last time you took that off he was like last night and i was yeah. just like i was like yes yeah just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't happen um and then you see him take it off and watch the kids and um you know he kind of explains a little bit of his backstory and why he why he doesn't take it off and what it means to him and i thought that that was really cool um and i don't give a crap about what this episode did because it introduced my favorite character, Cara Dune. The badass Jet Trooper, former Jet Trooper. Love Cara. She kind of want a face for public tattoo now. Yeah, right? For real. Um, I really loved her as a character. Um, I thought she just kind of worked. Uh, Typically, I find that, like, you take a look at someone like Ronda Rousey, for example. Like, she's a big, badass girl who can kick ass, and they've put her in movies before, and she does not cut it. She is not a good actor. Um, If you've seen her in stuff before, and, but then you take someone like, like Gina, who has this same exact background, and I actually think she's a great actor. I really like mm-hmm. feel character, and I loved 
because I complained about the combat before about being a little kind of just rudimentary. The combat that they had, oh, that kind of in that combat hut, beside the hut. Yeah, I oh, thought it was good. so fun, and they were like rolling on the ground, and they were like Mando ended up upside down with his blaster. I thought it was very creative and very fun. And mm. then like is the second. The second I was just so sucked into this combat, then comes like the greatest Baby Yoda moment we've seen. So it was just all of it. I just thought was really great. I love mm. seeing um, and ATST. I thought was so cool. Oh man, that um, was a beautiful ATST. Yeah, and mm. it looked so good. Like this is a TV show. It looked mm. so good. Oh yeah, uh, and that's it's it's like the first time I've been intimidated by an ATST with the red exactly. light. It's the red lights. Yeah. It just did it. Yeah. It, and, it, and, yeah, like and, and the, the paint on the front, too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It felt like Jurassic Park and, like, lumbering through. Oh, yeah. I did yeah. that. It, um, I loved the, I loved the um, you know, the war tactics. I love that things went wrong. I love that, you know, I thought Mando and, and, and Cara Dune, like, just worked well and have a lot of great chemistry. Um, all in all, I loved the episode. They, uh, at the end, when they went to snipe Baby Yoda... I didn't mind, but the big criticism I'm always um, hearing is this like, oh, Baby Yoda's gonna get shot only for the shot to make you think that it was to Baby Yoda, but it was actually to the person who was trying to shoot. They do that trick like every episode. I, I, don't, know. Really care. I don't really care. But I did scream, I did scream. I was like, no, Baby! <laughs> You're gonna look at Baby Yoda in a scope. Like yeah. that is already, mm. no matter how close you are, that's that's screaming worth that that's that's worth screaming. But um, no, all in all, I, I really thought the episode was great, and I had a great time with it. Awesome. Just one thing I want to add on to that as well. Uh, when Bobby was talking about the fight choreography, the one quick quick shot that always sticks with me, but I was like, man, that looks so good. Is when. Uh, Kara just clocks the Mandalorian and he slams into the ground, and there's that little moment where it's like, oh. yeah, it's just like it's like head, body, legs, and that like that oh, you yes. feel that impact. And I was like, man, that was done so well. It's it's so good to see like the, how because I think they were saying what it was like fifteen million dollars an episode, but man, you can see all that money going into some real quality. What what part were you talking about? Up. Sorry, I keep thought thinking about thinking about that stunt double doing that in that outfit. Oh, right. <laughs> like, yeah, that's where my... LA heat too. I was like, yo, Kara fucking slugged this dude in the face, and he yeah. hit the so hard. Yeah, yeah. Is that when they were fighting the pirates or the, the goons? No, no, it, it's it's when they it's first fight uh, outside. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. When he, when he tries to track... I know exactly what outside. Outside. Yeah. you're talking about, and I, I loved... Oh, yeah. I, I loved that. I thought that the stunt was really good, and I love that they painted Kara as a character that's that strong. I love it. Oh yeah, like and that yeah, that's one thing that that I was talking about with some other people I know. Where it's like she was she was punching Beskar. Thank and, you. That's it. That's what I was gonna that. get to. Yeah, and it's my god, the the amount of strength that she must have to be able to do that was super impressive. Oh yeah, it's Bay. Um, it's Bay. Yeah. And and uh, as you guys also pointed out, and, and I'm a big Kurosawa fan, so as soon as I realized what was going on, I was like, oh, cool. We're doing two samurai this time instead of seven. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, that that was cool. It was interesting to kind of see it all, yeah, pay off. And then they do have the the one little twist where it turns out the Widow can all, is, can also just shoot like a master, which was kind of surprising. But eh, I, I didn't have a problem with that. The, the one thing that did take me way too long to realize 
was it did not occur to me at all that the shrimp that they're farming is then processed into the drink that the the marauders were drinking outside the camp. Oh, really? That like, yeah, the like the neon grill. blue thing that they were. Yeah, apparently that's that's why they were farming it because it makes some sort of weird glowing blue milk. Interesting. Is that is that the yeah, same drink was... in the last episode when uh, grief Karga? grief Karga. Is that the drink that he was drinking? Because it looked like neon blue as well. I, oh, you're right. Been... You're talking about when he was doing shots, right? Yeah, he was, like, taking shots yeah, when everything yeah. was going down, yeah. I think that might be the same drink, then, if that's the case. Hmm. So maybe they're farming alcoholic shrimp. Yeah, it's like, let's <laughs> ferment these shrimp bodies. They're moonshiners. It's all good. Yeah. Also, apparently... <laughs> now, I, now I get what the fuss was about. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Like these... Guys, free booze. Yeah, these goons free were just like, let's, let's, let's take these shrimp, guys. Let's do it. All right, man. <laughs> uh, the one but thing. Baby Yoda drinking soup, though. Baby Yoda right. and like just being adorable and knowing it and flaunting that is the the best thing that's ever happened to Star Wars. Let's just him in waddle. And he's a puppet. He's a legit puppet. They were gonna do CG, but he's they so fought. Good. They fought to make him a puppet, which makes it so much more. I find more. It gives it real realism. It, it gives one... it like a, it's like, uh, Yoda. Like a depth. it's like when you use Yoda's mm-hmm. CG in Episode Two. Versus him being an actual puppet in like the Jedi Council or in his hut, it just gives you that more. Uh, they that, seem they, they, they realism. They seem they, there. They seem tangible. Yes, that's the yeah. word I'm looking for. They seem like yeah, they're tangible. Uh, apparently, the apparently uh, it worked with one person a lot better than anyone else. Because again, that, this is something I read up that I found interesting. But apparently, the person who was fighting for it was uh, Werner Herzog. Yeah. Yeah. The, but apparently he, because uh, apparently they were, uh, from what I read at least, uh, Favreau and Filoni were thinking of, of doing CG instead, because it worked a little bit better. And apparently Her- Herzog yelled at them. Yeah, he's like, they, they he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. And but I then think... apparently as well, I, I'd also read that on set he was talking to it like it was a real uh, baby. Werner <laughs> is an interesting, Werner's right? an interesting person, like. <laughs> From what yeah. you guys told me when he was doing an interview, he got shot by a BB gun and he started bleeding. <laughs> yeah, right. And he's like, it's okay, let's continue I, I, this yeah, interview. Air rifle. Air yeah. rifle. And it's, it's just like... Yeah, casually, just, oh, I've been shot. Like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, continuing an interview compared to, like, just, like, yelling at the directors and, like, showrunners mm. about, you know, just... He seems like a very eccentric person and it's perfect. Oh, yeah. And it's it's been so interesting to watch him go from uh, documentary maker to like renowned actor because that voice is just so iconic man yeah oh definitely and he had, apparently Werner Herzog the guy who plays the client in the show <laughs> he doesn't he didn't know anything about Star Wars before doing the Mandalorian no, he never seen a single episode right he'd never seen a movie never like did anything he just he's like yeah. it's a myth like, he, I listened to an interview of him and it's interesting to hear from a man that old and that experienced in film and everything and just experience in life in general and he was talking about how there's not a lot of times in history where mytholog- mythologies have been brought forth. You have like mm-hmm. ancient Greek mythology and um, mythologies throughout the ages. And Star Wars is a modern mythology. And the stories that come along with that, it's just, it's on that scale. That's how big it is. And that's the way that he looks at it is it's a mythology and it's its own beast in, in its mm-hmm. modern right. And I was like, you know what? I never really thought about it like that. But now that you say that, like, it kind of does make sense in in the scope of what it is and the amount of people that know about it. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of nuts. Yeah, and it's also interesting that he's one of two characters then who the actors 
either didn't know or like weren't big Star Wars fans, but absolutely killed it in their character roles. We'll get, I'll, I'll mention the other one when we get to his episode, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, again, it's that you, you see that huge budget, but they're, they were really bringing in the talent for this stuff. True that. They really are. Who are we on for episode four still? <laughs> Is it Vanessa? No. Me? Yeah, I think, I think uh, yeah. we got everybody. It was Vanessa. me. All right. Yeah, I mean, I loved the episode. I mean, besides the drinking of soup, I I, I love that part. <laughs> uh, but um, I loved um, Kara's gorilla fighting style. Like that yeah. one really flushed it. It kind of it kind of gave it a depth because you you know that she was a drop trooper. If, if, if I'm correct, she she was a drop trooper, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, rebel drop yeah. trooper. So she like she that like that that's her style she just gets dropped in the heat of the battle like at the front lines and does what it ta- whatever it takes to win and that is exactly what she did again that ATST. she just dove right in and sacrificed herself in, in order to make like the, make the impossible happen which was mm-hmm. a really cool scene um and uh and then also just kind of flushing out the mandalorian's like like tr- like habits like that he actually does take the helmet off um, which also led me into question: Can he take it in front of in front of baby? Because yeah, right. he's, he's just a child. Because I think he was in the room. Maybe he was napping, or maybe he was playing with the kids. I don't know. But I mm. thought he was in the room when he took that helmet off. But I guess not. I believe yeah. he, was out, he was. He took the helmet off, and he was watching the kids play with Baby Yoda. And that's what he was sure. eating. That's what he was eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which is also an interesting thing because it's like oh cool wait They're if any of the window. kids look up what happened yeah exactly what happens if the kids look in <laughs> yeah yeah exactly this man and like that's why I was like well uh, then he has maybe to one way window then he has yeah, to right? kill them oh. all <laughs> no he just can't go back could you imagine could, could you imagine it's like I saved like, your village now you've seen my yeah, face exactly. I murder you all <laughs> yeah exactly. But it was off. But they kind of leading off of that. It was like interesting where he's just like relaxing on the forest porch with Kara, and he's, she's like, you know, this wouldn't be so bad. Like, like you take off your helmet, spend the rest of your days with a beautiful window, widow, and like you actually kind of see him pause and think about it. Like this wouldn't be too bad, actually. Yeah, and I think it it brings this show really did a good job at bringing like the real everyday life of characters and people in the Star Wars universe to the forefront. Between the Mandalorians, later on in episode eight with the stormtroopers, and just just in general, like it just shows you like the the snapshot, quick parts of people's lives that you don't see in the movies because it's so epic that mm-hmm. you don't have the time to do it. Whereas in a show like this, you have you know eight hours or you know four hours of of time in the show to be able to splice out those moments. Exactly. And then, like, and then how it, like, that, like, that, it's just such rich in character development and, like, depth um, that, it, it, you mean, it, I knew that, like, um, Favreau and, um, that had been writing this for a long time, like, like whatever his spare time, like, late into the night, it's like, I, I think he mentioned, like, at, at um, Celebration that he was even working this on a Christmas or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just, it, it really goes to show how talented a director and writer he is. I mean, oh, I yeah. mean. The man gave us Iron Man. I mean, I had I had no doubt. <laughs> well, sp- speaking of Iron Man, I think I think wasn't it also a celebration that he mentioned With that Dave he showed, yeah, he showed Dave Filoni what what he'd been working on for Mandalorian or like the ideas he had for Mandalorian even back then. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because and then they showed each other. Yeah, Iron Man, Clone Wars. I think, but yeah. So the amount of of 
at like you know effort that's gone into this. My God. I know, but it, and what's great too is like Filoni is kind of Lucas's protege. Like, oh, 100%. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. He he knows if anyone knows the lore and um more than Lucas or just as much as Lucas, it's it's Filoni. Um, mm-hmm. and like just kind of going like having Filoni's input and like knowing the lore, it made it so much more rich because like I mean, for those that don't know Star Wars, it's still a great. Sh- show but those that know it like us that know the um the absolute um like the, the little the little things like the like mm. the little details like the uh, like um like the the ice cream maker for yeah. example yeah <laughs> that just like absolutely just was what makes it such a like the ideal star wars story the one that everybody's been waiting for that it kind of shows how Dis- like disney how to do it a and, like, bit i don't everybody. know if like, it's it's really great. It's it's. Yeah. it's I mean, I ideal. thought that um, Dave Filoni is like the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I love because I mean I think that's one of the things Marvel does so great is that all of their movies are really loved by diehard fans and casual fans, mm-hmm. and they're digestible for both people. And they put things in for the casual for for the diehard fans that don't really affect the story that much for anyone who doesn't really understand what's happening. But like those little nuggets are the things that make us go, Oh my God, they know they mm-hmm. care. They're like us. Exactly. You know I mean? That's exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what they need to figure out. And I, I, I really do trust Kathleen Kennedy because she was, she's one of the founders of like our, our modern day cinema. Um, like she, she was, she was right there along with George Lucas. She was right there along with Steven Spielberg. She's one of the founders. So I, I, I like say what you will. Like some guys absolutely hate her. Some people absolutely love her. I'm one of the ones that actually support what she's doing. I mean, she's running a like a company that's like behind a huge, huge conglomerate that has this objective of getting plushies out. That has this whole objective. So she it does have to sacrifice story. But I, I absolutely trust like her judgment. And I mean, if Mandalorian says anything, it, it shows that they they can do it right. All right. But yeah. Anybody else on episode four? Or are we good to move on to episode five? We're never gonna get to eight. We're almost there. <laughs> yeah. We keep on going on no, tangents. Three, three and a half. Let's go. Let's, let's do five through eight right now. Let's do it. Five. <laughs> episode five. Ed, give right. us the synopsis. All right, we're going. This this is the lightning round here. Everybody's <laughs> got a point that they can say about this episode. Episode five, the Gunslinger. On a familiar desert planet, the Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. Bobby, take us away. Lightning round number one. This episode sucked. (laughs) I had similar feelings. This episode sucked. I like where they were going. I thought it was like a cool idea. Uh, A couple of like moments happened where I was like, this is silly. Why is it? First of all, the actor who played this rookie bounty hunter, I thought was incredibly weak. It was like the, it was like, it felt like his acting debut. I feel like he had no presence. He had like, they tried to give him this Han Solo intro. It just did not work. I, I thought he, he alone ruined the episode for me. The drones and like the, the, uh, I forget the actress's name who played her, but the girl who kind of like owned the shop, who fixed the the I the, oh, the, 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 the alien kind of. I homage. love her. I, I love I, her as an actress. I thought she worked. I thought she was funny and and whatever else. And there were a couple of fun moments where like, you know, this rookie bounty hunter is like aiming at Mando while he was asleep, and he's like, "You done?" Yeah. And I was like, "Thank you. Make this kid 
feel stupid because I want him to. Because um, he is. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I thought that this was definitely my least favorite. And I I honestly put it all on that actor, to be completely candid with you. Um, yeah, I think, gonna... I think it was weak. I'm gonna jump in here because mine's similar point, like to Bobby's with this with this character. Um, I felt like his his performance wasn't the best. Um, there were points that I did like, but the one thing that I I looked and listened to this character, this this kid, um, this rookie bounty hunter, and I was like, what is so familiar about him? You close your eyes, rewatch this episode, parts and pieces of it with the kid talking. Close your eyes and listen. You will hear episode two, Hayden Christensen. No word of a lie. It is the same. Ca- no. Like it's very similar. Oh, I'm not like it's just the voice and the cadence and the way he talks. It's very similar to like an Anakin, like a teenage Anakin. I was like, whoa, this is weird. And I like just the story in general of that episode with this kid. It was all right. Like the the Mandalorian really didn't want to do any of this with the kid, and he was trying to teach him the ropes, and the kids. Yeah, like it just. It's it seemed un some something different in a Star Wars universe that didn't work. They took a risk and it didn't work. It was really cool that they went back to Tatooine. It was fun they had the pit droids. It was really fun that they had the sand people and they had like the the um, uh, sign language. Yeah, they yeah. had the sign language. I did. I did. I loved that. I love that they use ASL to bargain. I and thought they, that was very. There's just small pieces of it that was like this is really fun and I'm I really enjoy it. Um. Uh, I'm really sad that they the assassin that was like this like amazing character they put in was like okay yeah if uh, if we're gonna just kill her we're just just kill her off I'm like come on like she well, played so I think she's coming back she oh, must she's be coming, coming back I mean, for sure. it's it's freaking Mulan so it's it's, it's like um, <laughs> well, I, and then it, they left that at the end where they someone comes up to her body and it, 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 so she has to be coming back. And it was thing, definitely Moff Gideon who walked up. So, so this is the thing. Oh, yeah. um, just a quick point. Like, I thought at the end of the series, I'm like, yeah, it sounds like Moff Gideon would be the person that would make sense there. But the thing that really kind of resonated with fans all over the internet as soon as this episode aired oh, yeah. was the boot sound of the Spurs. That sound is uniquely attributed to Boba Fett in his mm. uh, episode five performance when he's walking around. He has that spur sound when he's walking and that's what was in this and it's really dark and you can't really see the boots or or anything so you can't really make out any part of the costume but that sound so people were thinking maybe there's an homage to boba going for like it a high-end bounty because i mean but, i i don't know if it's canon anymore but he did survive trust um, me that vanessa it has boba fett is <laughs> is is my man i love me some boba fett and that's like the only eu arc i have ever read in, in entirety mm-hmm. the mandalorian armor oh my god you have no idea how many times on this podcast i've talked to ed and noma <laughs> and said boba fett needs to be coming back and like before yeah. the mandalorian came out thinking that maybe 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 he'll come into the show somewhere um <laughs> but i agree with you vanessa you I would like is. boba fett's story arc too because at some point he's like going traveling the universe like this guy had to, mm-hmm. had to go back and like he travels the universe because his body is dying because clones only can only live to a certain age like, mm. and before they start deteriorating. So he's traveled the galaxy trying to find a solution to his current issue. Right. It's pretty cool. I just realized, yeah, we're never going to... Well, I guess they could still. There's nothing stopping them. But that whole Boba Fett's family, the family he starts in that whole arc, they need to yeah. 
that's all up in the air too. Like the bounty hunter family, you mean? No, yeah, well, there's a whole. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a whole thing where he he. It, it's a fellow bounty oh, hunter. Oh, in the that EU, you mean? Hooks up with, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. I know that story too. I, I, you told me about it. I think one time. Yeah, and then his daughter and and all that kind of stuff. So. Please give me Daniel Logan as Boba Fett again. Just please. Please. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's probably old enough now. He is. He's I follow him on social media. Like he's deteriorated. Yeah. <laughs> he's fair. actually doing well for himself. He goes to a lot of conventions. Um, oh, okay. Anybody else on episode five? Vanessa, uh, Ed, yes. or Noma? No, I'm good. You mentioned pretty much everything I wanted to mention. So, The, the big thing was the sand people for me. Yeah. Mm. Rather than just like braying and screaming, it's like the, there's a form of communication they will extend, mm-hmm. to not shoot first, kind of. And just throwing away his uh, his macros, I feel like that was just a <laughs> screw you, dude. Let's keep going. Uh, Anakin should have given them the middle finger when he came out of that tent. <laughs> <laughs> what Guess is, what's happening? He should have like sideways dropped his lightsaber like a mic drop. <laughs> Afterwards, exactly. Yeah. Uh, right. I, so, so I guess I'm, I'm the only, oh, sorry, were you going to say something? No, you're good. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I guess I'm one of the only people who liked this episode. Um, but I'm also really, really biased because it's one of the two episodes that I worked on. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, overall I thought, yeah, you have, you have a good point. The, the rookie bounty hunter is really, um, it, it just doesn't jive that well with the Mandalorian, but I thought there was some interesting stuff. It was cool to see the Mandalorian's tactics. Because I thought that was the, that was neat using the the stun flares to actually blind a scope and uh, and then also just being able to show off the durability of Beskar at least mm. at least at, at the very least it did build on um, a lot of the itself. yeah exactly just showing why Beskar is so valued it can take high powered rounds from um, from a sniper rifle there's definitely right? a good round where the kid's like but I'm not wearing Beskar and he's like yeah yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> that was a good line and then again I've seen a whole bunch of memes about oh she's got the high ground. Oh yeah, and it's like oh, Obi Wan was right the whole time, and, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, but this one was directed by Dave Filoni, and I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was his first live action. He's he's directed stuff before, obviously, but this is I think his first live. He did like first time doing live action, like oh, as a series, yeah, yeah, for as sure, a set, on a set. So kind of like he, he he's an, he's a good he's a good writer. Um, he wrote the episode as well. So and it kind of goes with his like with this whole kind of theme, like kind of giving you nostalgia, and it was like super rich in lore, which I greatly greatly appreciated. Um, I think maybe as he goes along, um, I'm just gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe as he goes along, he's gonna know how to like control the actors a bit better. Yeah, he does um, have a lot of credits in in other types of, of media and stuff like that. But yeah, this is definitely his first live action. And it's interesting to see what he does and how he does it and how that evolves. Because he he's evolved a lot with the Clone Wars and Rebels and everything like that too. So even in animation, he's he's grown a lot. So it'd be interesting mm. to see where he goes with this. Yeah. Noma, what did oh, you work on I'm... for this episode? Uh, so the stuff that I worked on was, it's just, it's the, the shots where, uh, when the workie has brought the speeder bikes to the hangar, um, and they walk out and, you know, they're doing their little interaction, they get on the bikes and start their journey. Um, so the stuff that I was working on for that stuff was a uh, fun fact, if anyone ever wanted to know how speeder bikes work is they are on a big iron pole, like a big metal pole. And that's connected to some sort of, I, I couldn't see the full thing, but some sort of track system. Um, so when they're on, when, when they're ready to, to, you know, 
do whatever shot they need to leave. They'll just fire forward. Is it like these... a is it like a tank mm-hmm. tread that's isolated, or is it like on a thing that like a line that they can like move out? From from what I could see, because I couldn't like really see the bottom track. of it in the shots, but it it looks kind of like a single rail uh kind of device, so kind of okay. like a single track thing. Um, but yeah, so the the whole thing, most of what I was working on was removing those poles and those uh, those devices from the shots, so you couldn't see them. So and then something else. Oh yeah, sorry. I was just say this is kind of like a shout out in like a uh, an homage to the last time we talked about the comic book where the guy didn't take the peg off in the comic book, but you took the <laughs> yeah, pegs off right? in the show. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Go. This is the level of professionalism. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is what in reality this is what happens when you sit in front of a computer for eight hours a day doing vfx stuff um but yeah, and then the the other thing that i did which i thought was kind of funny was um the mandalorian's armor in that shot is so shiny <laughs> that you can a see the blue from the blue screen that's reflecting off of him oh wow oh and, my god yeah Damn. yeah so I, I had to go in and, and dull all of his armor uh, all those colors down so you couldn't see that and b his armor is so shiny you could see the cast the crew in the reflection of it did you have to blur that too so, yeah, so, like, it was really hard to see normally, but you could see, like, in the corner of his helmet, like, a camera, a dude holding a camera, like, on a big rig. Wow. So I, I just had to go in and get rid of all that stuff and, uh, yeah, make sure it all looked good in motion and that kind of stuff. So that that was really fun, although I had no idea how it, how it uh, logged into everything. Originally, because uh, all we could see was – actually, maybe I shouldn't get into that, but because I wasn't sure where the episode was, I had like assumed – Like, where it took place? Yeah, I had no idea where in the timeline it took place. So my assumption at the time before I'd seen it was that he had he had come to Tatooine to hide the kid with the lady and this young guy, and they were going out to, to finish business. And I was like, oh, I'm working on like the last episodes, right? And then I saw it. And I was like, oh god, yeah, <laughs> I'm you, so wrong. You'd be you'd be one of those redditors on on online, and you're just like, this is what happens. I work for Lucasfilm, and it works yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, except then my Completely ass gets wrong. fired so quickly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that, that was... Mm, yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was super, like, you know, complete uh, good luck, basically, that I got landed with this. But man, that, it's the hardest secret I've ever had to keep so far in my life. Oh, well, there you go. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, when did you get that... to reveal it? Like, when so, the oh, show it... came out? Yeah, as as soon basically uh, all of the contracts that I have or the NDAs that I have say, oh, yeah, as soon as it's on, as soon as the episode airs on Disney Plus, I can do whatever. As long as I'm not giving away company secrets, then I'm all good. So, cool. yeah, and uh, dovetailing that together, uh, the second episode that I was able to work on is the next chapter. Uh, so we can go straight into there from, or go straight into that from there. Awesome episode. Chapter yeah, the prisoner. Six. The prisoner. I loved, loved, loved this episode. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, continue. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, for one, the actors in there, like, I absolutely loved. And then, um, gosh, where do I even start? So, like, I loved every – I knew every single actor in that show I because of a huge TV junkie on top of it all. Um, but then it kind of just kind of gave it kind of a depth, like an insinuation about, like, they, hey, Mando may have saved – the child, but he is not necessarily a good guy, but anybody does have regrets about, about it. Um, I, and I, I love that I got to see a Twi'lek and like, like, um, Oh, I forgot forget the actress, but I absolutely love her. Ironically. Um, mm. what's her name? You know what I'm talking about, right? No, my yeah, uh, I, I, I just remember her as the oh. actress who was Nymphadora Tonks. Yeah. And yeah. what, and what's her face in game of Thrones, the wildling. Um, 
as, as, you know, voice of Anakin in Clone Wars, man, that was, I actually didn't catch that until uh, you guys pointed it out afterwards. Um, but yeah, so that whole scene, basically the, the thing that was interesting with that was when the footage originally came in, all those, all the screens in the security room were, were completely blank. Um, cause I guess they didn't know what, what they wanted on those screens at that point. So we had to then go in and put all the graphics that all the, what all the monitors are showing, uh, in that shot, basically. Did you put anything like VOTF in there or like Adenoma were here or like, <laughs> no, there, there was no, I mean, I, I was thinking to myself like, Oh, it'd be cool if, if in a shot, if there was like a lot of graffiti everywhere, I remember entertaining the notion of, of like building an asset that would be the Orbesh alphabet and then yes. like putting a little thing, but all, all the shots that I got were too, were too clean oh, for okay. anything like that. So yeah, I, I, there's nothing, I didn't put anything in Sneak there, that but in post it out. Quit your yeah. job, you're good to go. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Never work in the industry again. Yeah, little things. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so that was interesting. And th- I I got some of the easier shots, which was the still frames. But we had to recreate basically that whole room to figure wow. out w- what graphic was going to be on each monitor and build this big kind of. Uh, my my immediate superiors were basically building that that asset so that we could then go into the shot and figure out what went where. So, yeah, it was basically you put all those screens in and then um, after you've put the screen in, you have to uh, flip the image around, put it on the, the ceiling and then just hit it with a bunch of effects so that it it mirrors these uh, glowing effects. Oh, so like it's, um, reflecting on the surfaces. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that it, you get that that light effect. Um, That's really cool. So yeah, I won't I won't go into all the ways you do that because, but uh, yeah, that that was that was basically the gist of it. And then a couple of things where you're adding some effects in with the lasers, uh, with the blaster bolts firing. So, yeah, that that was again. I had no idea, right? I, again, I thought it was an, a much earlier episode because I was like, uh, I, is it, does he have like a crew in the beginning and then they get whittled down one by one? And, <laughs> and I want to yeah. hear like Noma's like crackpot theories, like written like just as a blog. <laughs> Just randomly, just be like, yeah, um, the Mandalorian um, is like best friends with his like Twilik, and they're like dating, and they're like, ooh. <laughs> I'm like, God, how does this work? Oh, I, I actually like, we, I, we all just kind of thought she was the crazy sadistic because all we saw were the scenes of her kind of grinning and leering in that security room because, yeah, uh, yeah, we were just doing kind of like the the extra work, um, but yeah, no, there there was a lot of the only other thing, um. I'll get to it when we get to the episode, but there was a thing in chapter eight where we had no idea what it was. And there was a kind of funny moment that happened with that. But um, outside of the working stuff, uh, like Vanessa was talking about, man, Bill Burr, because I've been a, a Bill Burr fan for a long time. Um, and yeah, just just I never expected them to basically just have the character be Bill Burr because he basically is. Even as the same cadence is like, I wasn't a stormtrooper wise ass. Like yeah, that, that, that was perfect. All those kind of. Yeah, just the cadences I'm used to hearing in his comedy routines. And it was it's a breath of fresh air to see someone poke that much fun at Star Wars. Like, oh my god, the the thing where he goes, Maybe he's a gun gun under there and I was yeah. like, Oh my god. It's like <laughs> this is great. You said not happy to see your face or something like that and he's like Yeah, yeah you still don't want us to see your face. And because he's the other actor who uh he'd been saying for a, a lot of stuff that he he missed the Star Wars train. He was a little bit too old when the movies came out and he was never interested in it. Um, so it's been really cool to see him in this and also doubly inter- or doubly cool as a fan of Bill Burr. He's been saying that ever since he's done that episode, he's been now getting Star Wars fans to come up, you know, they'll come up to him and, and talk to him. And he said compared to his normal fans, which oh. are sports fans, 
they're just they're so much nicer and they're just really polite and he was like man it's it's changed the entire perspective that he had on star wars fans because he he just you know he grew up in like this he grew up in like the 80s and stuff so he always just kind of assumed that they were just you know nerdy yeah. yeah, exactly. Like Uber nerds who'd get stuffed in lockers and stuff. So he's going, yeah, they're they're so much nicer than the sports fans that I have that come up and just you know yeah, immediately they... start shitting all over me. Yeah, yeah. right. So it's gonna be it interesting been, to see if he cool. incorporates any like Star Wars jokes into his routines or like his experience with Star Wars. That'd be oh interesting. yeah, well, I, I listened to his he he does a, a podcast and I was listening to him talking about it when his episode had come out and he immediately goes on this thing where he's like all these people are giving me grief about how I dropped the baby Yoda and you know it's not my fault cuz you know the droid he didn't even warn us and he just dropped out of hyper and he just goes and then he eventually just goes no I'm just joking I, you know it was a prop it's good and I was just, yeah right so it's just I don't know it, it's great again it's you use all that money you got all the good all the good actors in all right bobby yeah, yeah, this You're here, um, Bobby. Yeah, no, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I was let well, everyone pretty much I mean so many of the things about the episode have already been said. Obviously, I thought Bill Burr was great. I thought the cast was great. Um something that I did like about it that um we haven't touched upon yet is uh this was the first episode that um the show felt really different to me. And I think it was the editing style and the direction. Um, there, there were so much more. This felt like a very urban episode, um, and I think the there was a lot more dynamic camera movement than we typically have seen in the previous episodes. And they also took the classic Mandalorian theme and added these like hip hop snares over yes, it. Yes, yes, I noticed that too. I loved- I loved it, and I thought that it was um, even the color palette of the episode is different than what we've seen, um, uh, just because of where they were, and you know there were the, you know the red lights, and yeah, it just seemed very like hip hop to me, and I loved it. I thought it was a really cool like kind of um, like flavor flavor twist on what we've been used to. Um, and yeah, like obviously, like you said, I loved Bill Burr being like, I wasn't a stormtrooper, or like when, um, uh, what did the twee like do? I forget, but you know, he walked away and he was just like, this crazy twee. And I'm just like, uh, you know, just like a, I can see him saying that about anybody. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like, you know, he got a lot of creative freedom to kind of d- deliver things exactly how he wants to. Um, but other than that, I thought it was great. I loved the sequence. Um, when friggin' Din just laid waste to an, an entire oh hall yes. of oh, uh, yeah. um, it was so fun to watch, and it was so fun because this is so- something that I actually think grounds the character so much. We've seen this guy struggle in every episode. We've seen him be a badass, but we've seen him struggle. <gasps> Sorry, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's back. The hiccups are he back. Came- oh, they never left. That's why <laughs> oh, I've been no. trying to. I'm, I'm over here just like doing deep breathing exercises and shit. Um, man. Yeah, exactly. So when he was fighting, I love that at the beginning, it looked like he was just about to just, you know, perfectly and flawlessly just like ruin all of these droids. Um, but he got knocked down and he had to resort to, to other things. So I love that he to- totally had it handled, but he didn't have it handled in like a super OP way, which I thought was great. Um, and yeah, other than that, just, yeah, just, Solid episode. Um, I loved the the flavor 
um, kind of being twisted into something a little bit more urban. I thought it was interesting. And yeah, I dug it. Uh, let's go with Ed. Just the sake of having, you know, that sort of, hey, uh, Bobby said it best, just different feel to it with um, just the whole, we were part of a team. It felt like I was watching Boba and his squad for a bit try to do something. Yeah, and it's like, of. all right, how's this going to go down? And from him being locked in this in the cell, I thought it was really funny because like there's a there's a clip from The Witcher that pretty much is similar to how he gets out, and it was it was just funny to see. Um, so I enjoyed that double, just seeing him do that as well. But what I really took away from it was that he's like, okay, yeah, you guys got me, haha, I'm gonna get you. Still takes the guy back to the ship and is just has this plan all and says like, yeah, I know you're going to betray me. I've worked with you before. Here you go. Don't have to deal with them anymore. Like that. I did. I honestly didn't see it coming. I thought he was just going to ditch it and say like, okay, job done, whatever. Bye. Mm -hmm. I was ready for the space fight at the end. I was not ready for the whole, Oh yeah. Here's the tracking beacon. Oh, uh, (laughs) there's one thing I just wanted to bring up. You said space battle at the very beginning when he's fighting, um, like a bounty hunter in space. Like I live for dog fights in star Wars. The only mm. reason I watched Star Wars Resistance, the the Disney um, the Disney show for kids, um, is the dogfights, like the space battles. I don't know if it's something about Star Wars with the space battles are just done so well, no matter what platform or what um, medium they're in. We, I, I know when we were at Star Wars Celebration, we got to see behind the scenes of like the, the man, or is it the Mantis? No, that's in Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, the Razor Crest. The Razor Crest. Um, the Mandalorian's um, ship. And how they use like a, a live, like an actual physical prop and how they filmed the movement of that in space and stuff. And you could tell in the show that it was a physical thing, um, just the movement mm-hmm. and just the way it like shone, 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 um, shone. Yeah. In, in space. And I thought the, the space battle, like, like the quick little dog fight that he had was really fun. Um, I think that was the beginning of this episode. Um, episode he, five, I think. Is it five? Okay. Yeah. Well, that part was really fun. I like the dog fight in that one. And um, for this one specifically, uh, I just wanted to say the, the the part with the droids where he takes all three, is it three or four droids down by himself? Shows, mm. it, it builds his character more, showing you like, yes, he can do stuff and he can take down droids. He despises droids. And that just kind of solidifies it for you of how he knows how to take them down and what's effective against droids. I thought that was really cool. We saw an Ardinian on this ship in the in the prison, which is from Solo, um, with four arms and like the kind of monkey-looking face. Um, that was what's the guy's name in Solo? I can't remember. He's a guy. Start with an R or something. Yeah, he's the pilot from uh, Beckett's crew. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name. Anyway, I remember I remember him liking him a lot. And yeah, then dying. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, I love this guy. Oh, okay. Um, but so we got one of those. Um, and the, the Twi'lek was, I love Twi'leks, but I did not like this Twi'lek. I don't know. (laughs) I think it was like the, the, the tribal aspect, not the tribal aspect, but like the, the grunginess, the grunginess Mm. to her, um, just her being like this, like punk, uh, this like sadistic and like super like, uh, out to kill everything and just doesn't give a shit. Like, I get that's her character and everything. I just didn't. I didn't like it. Like I might I like more Hera from uh, Rebels or um, this mm. like the Clone Wars um, representation of the Twi'leks. This one I just didn't like 
her character as like that kind of thing it, it, whether it was a twilic or not it wouldn't have made a difference i just didn't like it um but she did a really good performance to convince me like i hate this character like i don't hate the actor who, who or the actress who played her but she did a really good job at making me not like this character which is it shows you something um the there's one more thing and i can't remember but we'll move on we'll come back to it if i remember <clears throat> just speaking of, of those moments i guess um <laughs> It seemed a little bit out of place, but I love the weird, like, horror walk thing that happens when the Mando's sneaking oh, up on yes. uh, Mayfeld, Bill Burt. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's there, he's gone, he's there, he's gone. I was like, oh, does he have ghost powers now? And I don't... At, the, at the end, he was like, didn't he scream? He's like, no! And yeah, he's like, no! Yeah, and then he, he all goes to hell. That's the thing I was going to talk about is the, the, mm-hmm. the horror-esque scene, yeah. Which, I, so I'm not sure if it's just because Favreau uh, knows Bill Burr's material, but it, it just, I, I, I was laughing during that scene because there's a bit that Bill Burr has, it's old, but he talks about how one of the things he's, one of his most primal fears uh, that just doesn't make sense is him being in a hallway and some dude with a scythe, like, sneaking up on him horror movie style. Really? While the lights are flickering. Oh, that's yeah, perfect. So that's that so meta. Like, is this, the, yeah, I was oh like, is this God. the same thing? <laughs> That'd be a question yeah, to ask him so- at a convention. Yeah, seriously. Or, yeah, if I ever am lucky enough to run into him, just because, yeah, I saw that and I was like, you know, I'm trying to take it seriously, but I was just cracking up being like, oh, my God, it's all his worst fears come true. Noma, you know what? <laughs> We're going to get our guest on. We're going to get Bill Burr. There you go. Oh, man. I'd, I, I, I'd have a reaction similar to, to uh, Ed and Ian McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> Noma's not saying anything on the podcast. He's just crying. No, I, I, except I'd just be saying, please insult me. <laughs> but... <laughs> All right. Any other last points for episode six? All right. I think we're good. Ed, take us away. We have chapter seven and seven and wow. Oh my God. Go again. I can always say that again or leave it in. I'm going to leave it in. Screw it. All right. Chapter seven (laughs) and the reckoning. (laughs) An old contact extends an invitation from the Mandalorian to make peace with his enemies. Lightning round. Go. Bobby. Yeah, so um, I liked this this episode. I thought it was great. Um, I I love that this was the this was the first time we kind of saw a kind of like multi episodic story, which I loved and appreciated. Um, I will there there are so many things I liked about the episode, but since I feel like everybody else is going to talk about that, there are actually a couple things that I thought were really dumb. (laughs) Yeah. so like that hiccup, um, and also, <laughs> so um, the the very first thing that's happening, uh, Din Din's just like flying in his in his ship, and then he gets a you know gets the the message, and I think it was like the dumbest dialogue I've ever heard when he was just like Mando, <laughs> you might be surprised to know, or no, what did he say? He goes Mando, if you're receiving this, it means you're alive. And I'm like, what? what? Who fucking wrote that? That's not what you say. It says, if you're getting this, it means I'm alive. You, right. Like, it was so, like, you seriously showed up to tell Mando that he was alive? That was, it's, it's the dumbest, like, I don't understand how dialogue that dumb got that made it through. Asked. Yeah, I'm like, who? Like, no one, like, no one looked at this and went, why are we telling Mando he's alive? Shouldn't we be telling him information he doesn't know? Like, 
it was it was so dumb. And then and then he goes, surprisingly enough, so am I. And I'm like, yo, no shit. You're contacting him. Like you're telling him so much information that is evident by him receiving the message and you giving the message. It's so bad. I did like but, the Mando. That was a really cool intro, and then it just started like descending from there. Yeah. Into yeah. madness. So, exactly. Yeah, so I thought that was mega stupid. Um, and then. I also thought it was, and don't get me wrong, I loved this fucking episode. However, when we meet back up with uh, Quill. Love Quill. Quill's cool, but the whole fucking montage of IG-11 learning how to pick up a bull. Yes. I don't give a fuck, dude. I don't give a fuck. And it was just like, it was left in the wake of your destruction. And <laughs> You're I, so, dude, that's awesome. I don't need a fucking story <laughs> about how you, why are you telling me this? You could, he walked in and then Quill went, don't worry, I've reprogrammed him. That's the whole story. Like, I, like that whole dumb montage could have been something else cool. And he, we then go back and see IG-11 breaking, like, teacups and shit. And <laughs> I don't understand why that was in there. I understand they were making, like, they were building up IG-11 to be, like, a bigger character. He's, like, a main player in this this kind of two-part two episode here. Or a two-part arc. Um, so they were, I feel like they were trying to give him a little bit more juice. But it was just, it was just such pointless exposition to me i think the big uh, thing i think the big thing about it which they nailed they tried to nail home at every second they could from that episode to the second episode and to the end was that uh his his original programming is not in like he literally has none of his original programming left apart from his security um fallback and like i think that was now that you're talking about that and like why is it in there i think that's the like that's the only reason i can understand that it would be in there is to show the audience that like din doesn't din does not trust this droid because it is meant to be a murder droid but kuil did his damnedest to make sure that this droid did not have that protocol in him anymore and i i think that's the only reason why they would have it from my Mm. From what and I he remember. broke a couple teapots and now it all makes sense exactly, right. <laughs> exactly. I like, yeah I liked the IG I mean I guess it mean could have been a little bit shorter yes but I think in the end um, just like kind of when when the final like the final scene when he goes and and ends, ends himself it kind of gives it gives him a little soul, like kind of proof that he's not just reprogrammed that he actually was like kind of, he like kind of had to learn everything from the beginning that he kind of kind of developed the soul as much as a droid can do which i kind of i thought it gave him a little depth i can see what you're saying as well on the second hand um i'm on bobby's side more because he's he's a droid why does he need to learn things if you can rewire his programming or program him to pick up a cup (laughs) <laughs> like you if you can do all this you can okay now this is your new protocol and you are basically a protocol droid nanny yeah. droid okay yeah think, cool okay uh, i'm gonna do that now that they come out of factories you think they train them in factories to pick up stuff like they're not clones the thing i got from that whole like montage was that like yeah he had to teach it to do things from scratch and the, the thing that He's really a shitty programmer right and the thing <laughs> the thing that really the thing that really like stuck to me was like 
that was kind of like an homage to all those programmers out there that are building like AIs that have to like look at like and do lots of things many, many times before they actually get it down and understand like how to sort mm-hmm. through material. And I was like, that's an interesting again, homage, like to kind of go for that in like a modern sense. I get what you're saying again, <laughs> but you don't at the care. same time. No, no, not that I don't care. Oh, okay. This is the universe where they have all that stuff yeah, already. This is this is so a long again, time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. Like they can be like, oh yeah, this is we have Anakin. He built C-3PO. There you go. But you saw C-3PO when he was first made. He was like super wobbly and like not sure. He was still a protocol droid, and he was programmed for protocol, and he's fluent in however many languages that you want to mention. Yeah, I just want to see Triple Zero in live action. <laughs> and yeah, so as, I yeah, useless really. Logistics aside of whether it needs to happen or not happen, I think my biggest thing doesn't have to be like it was pointless for him to pick up teacups. I just I already felt um uh. I felt a strong enough connection to IG-11 that I feel like I just don't need it. Fair like enough. when he when he made his debut in the very first episode, that's actually where I started getting like really invested. And I remember getting very upset when he got shot in the head because I was like, oh, is this what the story's gonna be about? It's gonna be like about this guy who hates droids that has to put up with this droid who's a badass. <laughs> so I was just, and then he was funny, self-destruct, he was cool. And even Mando was just like, you're not bad, man, and helped him up. Yeah. And I was like, and then he left and then I was like ah but you know he's on all the the ad campaigns and you know when you go to watch it on Disney plus like him Cara Dune like they're there so you know that he's gonna come back and obviously you know he's got the the charisma of Taika Waititi as much as Taika Waititi can have if he was a robot um and yeah I just already felt attached to him and already thought like he was such a badass in that first action sequence we saw him in um that I was super pumped to see him back um, but I wasn't super pumped to see him pick up teapots. And that's the yeah, only like that's the only thing. I didn't need it in order to feel his sacrifice at the end, you know, uh, earned. I felt like IG had already earned his place of being like, hey, I was this, I was reprogrammed. And really this whole arc, it's something that I was actually going to bring up in, in 8, but I think it works here too. His whole arc is Queel's arc. Like, that's what everyone, like, I remember getting, um, my, my friend Ginny and me ended up being on the phone for like two hours and I'm convincing her about how she watched the Mandalorian wrong and she'd enjoy it. (laughs) Are you talking Ginny D you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So Ginny and I are like super, super close and, um, we talk Star Wars and movies and stuff like that all the time. And, uh. She was like, oh, I didn't like it for all these reasons. Like the droid was just this like plot device who was just like perfect and did everything he needed to. Um, And they just made him awesome and unbeatable just so the story could progress. And I was like, no, because first of all, I love the conflict between between Quill and Cara Dune. I thought that that was really compelling. I love seeing internal conflict. and he continuously talked like, you don't even understand. I am free and don't serve the empire because I worked my way out through my craft. Mm-hmm. Like I was in servitude. Like his whole arc was about how he was so good at his craft that he was able to work his way to freedom. And 
there's this great conversation with him, with him and Mando, and Mando's just like, hey, you got to do this. And he's like, this is the way we're going to do it. He goes, no, I don't want to. He goes, do you trust me? He goes, from what I can tell, yes. And he goes, then you'll trust my work. So every single time that IG-11 did something, I saw it as Quill doing it. He's trusting okay. his work. Everyone's like, how amazing, like, why is that droid so amazing? I'm like, Quill's showing you how amazing droids can be when you care about your craft. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I didn't see it as a plot device at all. I saw it as, oh my God, look at what Quill did to this thing. Like, he is dead, but his work lives on in IG-11, like, in I see his sacrifice as Quill's sacrifice. So um, now we can take a shot because Bobby's going too deep. Bring it to full circle, guys. That's, that's how I interpreted it. That's good. Um, and yeah, like it just, it made total sense why IG-11 was so capable and he was able to make judgment calls. And, you know, you kind of go back to, you know, IG-11 at first was just like, oh, nah, dude, we got to kill this baby right now. Boom. Like, he had no sense of like, well, let me let me think about this. Um, but in this one, he worked his way, and it was an echo from the first episode where the self-destruct was like the thing he was trying to avoid, 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 and it was played off almost as a joke. This one, you know, echoed the first one where the decision, the, the fact that that was his decision then was going to kill him the same exact decision he's making here is saving him not only him but everybody else as well um mm -hmm. and yeah just like when when you think about it th like how much depth that i actually thought got put into ig11 is the reason why i'm just like we don't need the tea the the the, the cup stuff because like i just think that i just think his character was done beautifully. And I didn't really get Queel at the beginning. And towards the end, I was just like, awesome. Love if I get, if I get your train of thought correctly, before we move on to uh, have Vanessa finish up her, like her thoughts on the episode, what you're saying is that it wasn't IG 11 who picked up teacups. It was Queel inside of IG 11. <laughs> All right, Vanessa, go ahead. Yes, yes. It was the spirit of friendship. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The other part, kind of continuing on, like going deep, Baby Yoda choking Kara. Like, that oh, was yeah. terrifying. That was, that so, I mean, with I mean, me. people kind of passed off lightly. Yeah, but, was... I mean, it just goes to show. I mean, you saw the pure anger on his face. I yeah, mean, he was like, not happy. He, this was I mean, all... that kind of delves into what they want might want to use him for, the Empire. No, for yeah. sure. Oh, true. I believe that was one of the first times we saw Baby Yoda as a CGI Baby Yoda. Yeah, yeah that was that wasn't mm. uh it looked different for sure. Yeah, you could see just the the way that his hand moved, they can't they couldn't do that with a puppet. Yeah. The way the puppet, that yeah, the puppet doesn't move. That. Like, that's a signature dark side move. Yeah, exactly. He curved his wrist and like lifted it up. Um, yeah, I think it, it looked too, it looked too fluid to be a puppet. Um, oh, so just like that, that look in the facial expression, I think even had something even more sinister than what you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes to show like what arc it could go down. Like he's not all good. I mean, but then again, like, um, I had, I have a friend, um, he's probably going to listen into this. Like the most dangerous kind of snake um, is a baby snake. A venomous snake is a baby one because they cannot control their venom. Mm, um, and I guess okay. that's kind of a similar situation to baby, baby Yoda where he is like this 
de- discovering his power. He is he, he from what we see has a, like a really enormous pa- amount of untapped power, and um, he just sees a threat and he just can't control it because like, he doesn't know how to. Is that like a, he doesn't. Is that like a when fifty year old you are force choke you cannot control kind of thing? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's it's a good connection too, because yeah. yeah, also like a baby snake, or well, I guess you know he is a, a baby Yoda. It doesn't really know how to differentiate friend from foe, right? So Not it just all. goes all out. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't really know Kara, but he knows Mando, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Is there anything else uh, that you want to talk about for this episode, or a point that you really liked, or anything like that, Vanessa? Uh, Death Troopers, for one. Like mm. that, we, the first time <laughs> we ever saw Death Troopers was, I think, in Rogue One, like officially canon. Um, yeah. Yep. And just seeing those there. And then also the, the shout out to the 501st. Um, just them showing up and making that episode as amazing as it was. It's like a great, great thing. Yeah. And like the, the, the brawl that we get to the next episode, I cannot wait to talk about that. Bobby, that's going to be a great breakdown. Just like the whole like fight scenes in in the in the mandalorian there it's gonna be good i could yeah. i there's a lot of pew pew there is a I lot of pew pew but there is some hand to hand there was some hand to hand he had a brief moment this is this is in the finale but he had a brief moment where he had a little hand to hand with a death trooper and i was like yeah, oh that's my what God, exactly what i'm oh. thinking about yeah <laughs> um uh before we into that there's one thing that caught my attention in this and it's just a glaring thing that's it's something that um Lucas probably didn't foresee before he did the prequels, but um, everybody treating the forces as like some kind of, oh, what is that? Oh my God, what is he doing? I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's only been like, what, somewhat 20, 30 odd years since the Jedi have gone or whatever yeah. it is. And yet people treat them like, oh, these, these like old, what? it's like, nah, dude. Just like, not, I'm not trying to bring up like, terrible thing but 9-11 was almost like what 20 years ago now and it's like we're not gonna forget about that anytime soon i'm bringing up something big but it's it's literally the it's literally the like the 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 i don't want to say catchphrase that sounds a little insane like that's literally what it's called 9-11 never forget like that's it's literally never forget but um going along that not only that but like again Dune was a drop trooper. She would have worked with the Republic, Republic or was it Resistance or Republic? Rebel. She's a rebel. Oh, okay. rebel. Okay. oh never mind. I'll so, give her that. I think though. the one thing you have to keep in mind for, for the galaxy is that there's trillions upon trillions of people in the galaxy, and there's only exactly. thousands of Jedi. That's the thing that you... Exactly. That's the thing that like when someone explained that to me, I was like, yeah. No, that makes sense that like you would only see them maybe. Like You wouldn't see that like, they're not everywhere all over the galaxy, but they're in certain spots at certain uh, like clinch points where uh, the Republic versus the Separatists were needing that support, right? And you'd it'd be more military based, and you'd maybe see some people, but you wouldn't have that connection. Like it wouldn't, it would be more story based, like it, like a legend, legend builds of Jedi because the stories are told from the people who've seen them, and like what their brain does to create a story that's enticing for other people to listen to. And over 30 years, those stories start to deteriorate and people start to move on and deal with the empire now. And what the hell is this empire? And they're all killing us. Like it starts, I I think there's, I think you're, you're right in the fact that it's weird that for us as, as listeners and viewers of, of the shows and stuff like that, that for us, it's like, 
we've known Jedi since 1980s, 1970s, right? Like we know because it's there and it's all, it's like, it's in front of us and we've seen it this high entire time, but the galaxy as a broad, you know, massive population comparatively to the Jedi in the Republic, it's very small. I see. And like everything you're saying is like, I'd like, I, I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. But uh, still with the amount of planets and trades and everything that goes on and how much they had to fight like that, you should be able to spread that pretty damn far in a galaxy Keep to the point where like the empire wiped the I jedi it, out and had this right. propaganda yeah they suppressed knowledge on the jedi, jedi. too yeah they I suppressed mean, they wiped them out and they they destroyed the temples they destroyed their their lore they destroyed they, everything so it became a myth because those that didn't know it or that did were pretty much and anyone that supported a jedi was pretty much wiped out that's true. Yeah. I, I think it's also like the people who did know about it didn't even think it was real. Yeah. Mm. And like, I don't know if you guys have read any of the Star Wars books. Have you? Like the new canon stuff. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Read, uh, I've read a few. Have you read Battlefront Twilight Company? I have not. That's a great one. Where it's I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a scene where a Force user uses something on somebody that has never seen a Force user before, and to them it was like it was like this thing that. It just didn't make sense, and they had to process it, and and it was a shock to them, and they didn't understand it, and it kind of goes through their process, their thought process at the time of what happened and afterwards, and it was mm. really cool. Um, Ed and Noma, mm. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, um, yeah. J- just just I'm as well just... to like, okay, just just uh, as well just to a smaller degree. I think this is also a problem that I'm gonna just delve into this very very quickly. But it's the same kind of problem where, where when you get a large franchise, because uh, I see this a lot in one of the other things I like, Warhammer, where when you've, when you've bolted on so much lore off of the original stuff, you do start to, to run into these small, or not, I guess not necessarily small, but you do start to run into these plot inconsistencies that you do have to kind of take a step back a little bit and just kind of see it from there. Because one thing that's always kind of bugged me now with all the lore that we have on top of that is is in Episode 4, the whole Death Star scene, um, when I, I can't remember the guy's name, but when the guy's arguing with Vader and going, oh, no, nobody, nobody believes Thanks. in your yeah. sorcerer's powers anymore. Ways. Yeah. But now because of all the stuff that's been bolted on there, Yolaren is sitting like three seats away from him. Thank you. There's, who, yeah. there's still people who are alive that have worked with them. Exactly. Yeah, and he, yeah, he, see, he knows he worked with the, the Jedi and, and, and Vader and everything. But, you know, now it's, it's only because they've now expanded on this so far after the movie that you, you get this incons- these you start getting these inconsistencies right yeah, yeah sorry like half the imperial officers were Tarkin. the ones from the republic that were just <laughs> like okay you're left over now we're this keep doing your job mm-hmm. with some appendices all right it's also right. interesting because now with rogue one he literally that guy i forget his i don't know his name but when he was like your devotion to that ancient religion that's literally like oh tag like, i fucking hate oh. tag with a passion Oh, is that tag? Uh, it's tag. I think it's tag. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because he's well, like that's literally out. moments. It's moments after Darth Vader's hallway scene from Rogue One. <laughs> that's a good point. Like moments. <laughs> it's like, was this guy not yeah. watching the screen of what just happened? You know what I'm saying? Like he literally, it was the most amazing like exhibition of the dark side of the Force. Yeah. Followed by immediate like immediate non-belief. And you're 100% right. When you start building upon it, you run into these things that are not exactly make sense. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say uh, last point. Everybody can make one last point for episode seven. We'll move into episode eight, and then we'll see what we're doing. 
Um, one point, uh, one point for episode seven. I just wanted to bring up because we haven't said it yet. Was episode seven was the first time in Star Wars canon that we've seen Force healing with Baby Yoda and uh, Grief Karga, mm-hmm. which was like, damn. Did that come out at the same? I thought I, that was right before. Uh, yeah, it right. was. That it was, was like the first the, time, and then then the, and then yeah. then the next day, um, that that the next day, Rise of Skywalker yeah. came out. And they said, mm. watch, they said people said watch. <laughs> I think even Lucasfilm or like Disney was like watch episode seven before you go see Rise of the Skywalker. Hmm. And I, I I feel like that was done on purpose. Well, I mean, a because you know they're not going to release that episode of Mandalorian the day Rise of Skywalker officially comes out. Yeah. But I feel like it was slightly on purpose. So people are like, "Force healing? What is this?" Like, ah, uh, no, we put it in something first. Yeah, they did. That's it. it literally <laughs> it didn't what come it was. Out of nowhere. Because I was talking to my buddy who he's not a huge Star Wars fan, but he watches it. He watches it. You know, as a, enjoying movies and TV shows and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I didn't see what the connection was. They said there was a connection between episode seven of Mandalorian and the episode nine of like Rise of Skywalker. And I'm like, literally, the only thing that they did was the Force healing. <laughs> that was the only connection. I was expecting like Baby Yoda connection or like something, something related to Mandalorians or something. And it was just like, nope, it was just healing. Yeah, cool I mean, it's it's cool that it's cool that they. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh no! I was just gonna say, like, it's cool that that they put that in there, but force healing was something that I, I could never really argue with because I've it saved my ass so many times in Kotor. Oh, I know, and, and Jedi Academy and everything yeah. that I just accepted it was a thing. He's like, but, pause, get rid of all the combat, start healing, 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 back yeah, to combat. Exactly. <laughs> help, help, help. What are you gonna say, Vanessa? Exactly. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I knew force th- th- uh, force healing was a th- was a thing, but it mean. It, they're making it so look so easy now. I mean, that Ray learned it, and then um, Ben Solo all of a sudden shows up, and like he can do it. I'm like, why was like, Anakin freaking out about saving Padme if yeah. Force healing is such a common thing now? Because you can't heal a broken heart. Oh, <laughs> I, I, mean, so I still believe that. I still believe Pat Palpatine drowned, drained her life and gave it to Anakin. Damn, that's, that's some deep shit right there. I've not heard but, that one before. What? But that, that's, like, to... that's like oh, yeah. canon as far as I'm concerned. Are you legit? Yeah. Like this is something oh, that people have been talking still about? It's debated, um, but it's, it's so popular a theory. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Vanessa, then then Bobby, then Noma. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. So yeah, it's. It, I don't know if it's canon yet, um, but it's so popular a theory that okay. it's practically canon. Okay, Bobby? Like Darth Jar Jar. Yeah. Darth Jar Jar. Darth Jar is legit. That's fucking canon. That's it, it needs canon. to be. That is like the evidence is too. <laughs> the evidence is too much. But no, even if you go back and you watch Revenge of the Sith, like the the way that they edit those two clips together, like Padme has her less her last breath as Darth Vader has his first breath, and no, I see that, that now. Is, now that you say it, yeah, like damn, that's exactly what happened. I mean, that was. That was Palpatine's entire claim to fame of like being immortal and being able to control life and death and everything. Like he did that so he could bring Vader to life. I mean, the Padme, they even the droids didn't even know why she was dying. And everyone's like, it's bad writing. I'm like, no, it's not. The droids were like, she's lost the will to live. And everyone's like, what? That's so stupid. It's like, no, like her her life is being sucked out of her. That 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 changes a lot for me right now. I have to process this. 
This is and they delve into that in um the Vader Unleashed VR. I don't know if you guys seen it oh, yet. Or, yeah. I've yeah, actually I've actually played it. Oh my god. I want to play it so bad. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they, but there's a scene. I don't want to spoil it too much, but they kind of they kind of delve into the fat force life draining um okay. into the invader okay. invader immortal. And, I know, uh, Ed, Ed, you played Vader Immortal at Chicago, mm. but you just played like yeah, the, for a sec. Yeah, you played like the, the training combat, room, basically. training room. Yeah, we'll have to get mm. one of those VR headsets and play it sometime. Do it. Mm-hmm. Also, have you quick quick side note about VR? Have you guys gone and played uh, the um, the VR for Oh yeah, it? Secrets of the Empire. Secrets of the Empire, the Void experience where you can go with like four people. No. Oh my God, you guys have to go do that. It was so mm-hmm. much fun. Hey, well, I want to do it. Yeah, it, they have one it's in like- Toronto here at uh, one of like the. It's like a bar. It's like a restaurant with like a arcade in it. Um, and they have like a whole. It's a whole room. That you have to walk like there's a room dedicated to this game and there's like the four senses you have heat you can feel the heat you're walking over stuff and like things are warm if you're if it's stepping on lava and like there's physical props that you can actually touch with your hands mm-hmm. it's really cool um it, it's it's one of the coolest experiences i've had with vr and i would definitely recommend it i think mm-hmm. yeah we 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 had a lot of fun with it it was great oh yeah one one last thing with uh, seven, just uh, going back on to to that thing we we're talking about, where it's, it's bolting a little bit too much stuff on, because uh, yeah, one of the one of the again one of the memes that I've been seeing pop up a lot that does make a lot of sense is that moment in episode three where uh, Windu and Palpatine are having like the Force Lightning duel, and Darth like so I've seen this come up a bunch now where Darth Sidious goes, oh I I have the power to yeah. save the ones you love, and Miss Windu just goes, don't listen to a mannequin, we can just force heal Padme. And then <laughs> goes, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that's good. I thought you were gonna no. say I don't have any family or I don't have any loved ones, motherfucker, and then just like kill him. But oh no, okay. Get off uh, my planet. Yeah, get out of my Senate room, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> chapter eight, guys. chapter eight yes all right so this is a wrap we'll come back next week and it'll it'll (laughs) only be about chapter eight (laughs) uh ed ed what's the title (laughs) chapter eight redemption just go (laughs) go (laughs) we know what's happening Uh, this episode is brought to you by go ahead bobby go first oh man okay um, I have notes and I'm just going to, I'm just going to go down them really quick. I'm not going to go deep. I'm just going to say them because they're really small and I want to mention them. Sure. Um, the beginning was some of the best Canon star Wars I've ever seen the cold open. Mm-hmm. Um, just like really small detail, uh, that I really love that they put in, uh, when Cara Dune is like shoots to open the sewer in the beginning, immediately in my head, I went, what the fuck? They're going to hear that. And then they immediately heard it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, that there's like continuity things sometimes that just like doesn't, that doesn't happen in movies and TV shows a lot. Like something will happen and, and you know, someone else will be oblivious because you don't think about sound or whatever. But I thought that was attention to detail. Um, do, 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 note number three, Cara Dunas Bay. Uh, note number four, <laughs> um, Kara's from fucking Alderaan. Yeah. Alderaan. Um, I love that so much. It adds so much depth to her character. It explains so much why the second she, he, she heard that Imperials were involved, she was in, no questions asked. Even the, like it seemed a little easy when she first said it in the last episode, but this one answered it right up. I loved it. Um, 
we got the montage of of uh, Din's actual rescuing. Um, I would say I wasn't a huge fan of the fact that it was silent and there was music over it because we've seen all of these things silently with music over it. I would have loved to hear like what it sounded like. However, when the Mandalorian showed up, I loved that fucking guitar they added. I oh. thought it was so good and it saved mm. the whole for me the, the, the sound um, the sound design in this show is just beautiful the music the sound it, design it, everything it's very good um the mandalorian this is something this is a weird thing that i picked up but i thought it was really awesome the mandalorian that saved din as a child asked for his consent before he flew yeah. away with him I don't know, like, it's just like a small detail that you don't typically see. Typically, it's just like, oh, I'm saving a kid. No matter what I do, I'm. this is the right thing to do. But he looked at him, and he nodded at him, and he waited for him to nod back until, like, before he actually flew away with him, which I thought was real, like, a great little thing. Um, mm -hmm. If they capture the kid, we'd be already dead. That quote proved to me that something bigger is happening because they did have the kid and they're not dead um baby yoda um too tired to heal din i love because everyone was going to be like why the fuck didn't baby yoda just heal din they gave him that great fire moment so he'd be too tired yeah. so i thought story-wise i thought that worked um try it and i'll kill you this was the best mm character moment for din for me personally i loved it he would he he will literally hold a gun to someone's face that's trying to save his life because he believes in his creed so dearly, and I loved it. Um, Pedro Pascal, we see his fucking face. And he looks and like he Pedro Pascal. Yay! Yeah, but the thing is, he also looked like shit, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it looked like his brain is, was, like, hammered. Like, it was just it's disgusting. Great. I've been you yeah. get Kylo Ren taking his helmet off, and it's just like, wow, your hair's pretty perfectly quaffed, buddy. You know what I yeah. mean? And it's, <laughs> I love that when, because Pedro Pascal, one, he's a handsome guy, he's a popular actor, um, everyone wants to see his face, and I can definitely see like the first time Pedro shows his face, he's got to look great. You know what I mean? But they didn't do that. They kept him just a mess, hair matted, just disgusting. I loved it. Um, back to spray, loved it. Yep. Um, didn't did the first I think that was the first time since uh Empire that they've actually mentioned Bacta in like a live action sequence yeah in a live mm -hmm. action sequence yeah it was I I loved it and it made a lot of people were just like a lot of people were like oh it's super convenient that they have a little and I'm like no they used a thing that's already established it's this is great mm -hmm. um Din needed to turn his flashlight off when looking at the pile of Mandalorian armor I thought that was such a really, really smart choice um, and and tactic to show emotion, even though we can't see Din's face. Um, I love that he saw it and immediately was like, click, click. Like, I'm no longer looking at this. I just thought that was a great, um, interesting way to show that. Um, great visual representation of how inferior Stormtrooper armor is because homegirl literally breaks it open. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so great the with the, the armor. Oh, so cool! Not even with the armor, with the tools that make the armor. It's it speaks so much to the the craftsmanship of the people. I thought was amazing. Um, Kara shows a, like a slow and subtle affection towards Baby Yoda throughout the the yeah. thing. Like, even when she like shot the head off of that like 
uh, weird R2 unit. She like made sure she looked back at the baby to make sure it was okay. I thought that was adorable. Um, IG-11 touches baby Yoda's ear before sacrificing himself. And I thought that was so cute. It was good. Um, the fucking score of IG-11's sacrifice was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. Um, Come on, baby, do the magic hand. Yes. Um, oh my God, he's moment. just waving at him. Do the magic hand. So good. So good. Uh, Hip-hop style drums return from episode six when the TIE fighter shows up um, over the, the, the standard score, which I thought was great. The action sequence was so amazing and looked so great when he like like grappled onto that fucking TIE fighter. I thought it was great. Um, loved how Mando lost his first explosive due to the air pressure. I love that. Like when he was trying to do it and it flew out of his hand and then it exploded in midair. I love that they showed him struggling with that. Um, Grief Karga says scum and villainy, which yes. is a nod to uh, Obi-Wan's quote. Um, which I thought was great. Uh, Baby Yoda echoes Din's childhood perfectly, which makes you understand clearly why Din is struggling with his morality. Um, the ending shot, not even talking about the Darksaber here, just the ending shot, I love that he went um, like... like uh, Din flew away, and it was the same continuous shot that then panned over yep. to the TIE fighter. I thought that was very, like artistically done um uh, and then i have yeah one the only thing i want to talk i have one question that i want to ask everybody else's opinion on um and i just want to give it up to this fucking ad campaign this ad this was the perfect ad campaign for this fucking show they revealed nothing they didn't show Baby Yoda. Just the fact that there wasn't a slew of Baby Yoda merchandise and, like, mm. they weren't just pushing it to make people watch it because they knew it would work. The fact that they left it a surprise and all of these things a surprise I thought was amazing. And it made the experience of watching it so fantastic that they weren't just trying to get views, 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 views by teasing everything that was neat, you know? Um, they every let the fans do the work. Exactly. Yeah. Almost yeah. every single thing that happened, I was genuinely surprised by and loved. You could not um, say Baby Yoda somewhere in this world and not have somebody understand what you're talking about. They all know. They all friggin' know. And, and yeah. Then, and adding on to that, um, that was something that that I was talking a lot about with with uh, the people I worked with while we were doing this because we were all, you know, we we got to see some of these shots ahead of time. We were like, man, nobody's gonna see this coming. Like the we're always going i'm amazed that well i mean you know it is it is disney and with their marvel stuff they've been great about hiding stuff but we were like man this seems like such a huge cash magnet but i'm amazed nobody's talking or you know they haven't shown this in any trailers or you know there's been no leaks about this at all um and yeah look at well, the payoff, the payoff. Infamous about keeping keeping the trust <laughs> mm -hmm. i think the one thing that oh, star yeah. wars does right is like the tv series there is no spoilers at all online for anything that has come out every episode's mm -hmm. come out of rebels or you know resistance or the mandalorian there is no spoilers posted prior to that because i think the crew that works on it is so it, it's smaller but it also is a crew that really does care about their craft and mm. does care about the 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 work that they put into it whereas like you get working on a movie you have people from all over the world working on these movies 
and mm. you you just don't know like it's such a, a massive crew on a movie that it's just like you just don't know who's gonna say what you know oh yeah because because you, you look at like you know disney was doing the the main or you know star wars lucasfilm i guess was doing the main filming and then you've got uh, ILM doing all the majority of the VFX, but then you've got my studio working on extra stuff. And there were, I think, like, if I look at the credits, there were, like, seven other studios yeah, all across the world who were also picking up that. So, yeah, the the network... I mean, granted, uh, the Disney NDAs are very, very good about, you know, making sure that no one says anything. But then you see things like the entire Pirates... What was it? Five script got leaked? Like, episode nine. So, like, a lot of stuff got leaked from that, too. If you look it up, like, you could yeah, find yeah, spoilers right. for episode nine, no problem. Yeah, but then Vanessa's got a good point, too, because with Filoni's crew... Because I haven't heard a single thing about Clone Wars Season 7 Yeah, at any point so far. Except for all the unfortunate B-roll that existed because they thought it wasn't going to happen. But I also noticed that all that's gone now off of YouTube. I can't find it? it anymore. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. I know they have it up on the Star Wars website, or they did. All the like the previs yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'm curious if that's if that's still there now. Because, yeah, on YouTube, it's all been... I can't find any of that previs I was, I was watching before. But, uh, yeah, Bobby, were there any other points there? Or did you... Um, there was one, that there kind was... of the all the things that I that I just, like loved the little details the only question that i have um other other than this one thing hopefully it can get cleared up i thought it was pretty close to perfect i just loved it so much um so at the end din finds out that the reason why all the mandalorians are dead is because they revealed themselves and the leader even says show me the child that was worth so much destruction and then she's like, wow, great job. Here's your signet. I'm like, why the fuck isn't this girl angry? Because this is the I, way. <laughs> I mean, you beat me to it. Yes, but like, I, I think... don't know. Literally, he did something that went against the guild code, and then everyone helped him. They all died for it. And I don't understand why. I, I don't understand why it seemingly almost wasn't even a big deal. I obviously this happened like episode three, so he's fun. been on doing all these other things and didn't know. So like time had passed, so yeah, it weeks have passed in the show. Yeah, so it wasn't a shock to her, but it was a shock to us and Din. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I didn't really. I I thought there would be like more of a big deal or maybe more of a character arc that Din felt responsible for murdering everyone. You you know what I mean? Like that was mm -hmm. the only thing where i was just like that seems a little jarring but maybe there's something i was missing I think, I think they made a choice and they they stuck with it yeah mm -hmm. i think warrior's death right so yeah i i kind of saw it like kind of like a you know kind of like older star wars they're harkening back to like a, a samurai or like a warrior tradition where it's like if you if you haven't broken any of our laws and um, you're you're still honorable in our eyes. Then if this is if this this is the fallout, it's you know it sucks. But yeah, like like they said, you know this is the way. This is what we do. But yeah, you have a good point as well. I think it would be interesting in season two um, if they delve into that more. If Din now has some sort of PTSD from you know re like what, having to deal with the fact that most of his clan is now dead. Because as of, he, you know, what as he, he potentially tries to find the home place of this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a cool internal struggle kind of thing if it's all, all my whole clan died and now I'm supposed to give the child up to, like he says, a race of enemy sorcerers. 
which man that was another great thing that that whole i mean it, it kind of clashes with what we were talking about before but when the armorer is giving her whole speech about oh uh mandalore the great fought uh, a clade of sorcerers known as the jedi and i'm going yeah but what about what about death watch what about yeah that whole thing when they fought the jedi and were the jedi were out on mandalore because um this kind of leads me into what i want to talk about if you guys Go give ahead. me a chance if, um oh sorry so when uh, no 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 it's no, all your fault um, norma jeez <laughs> get out of here is that wrong i'm too many glasses of wine in. no that's um, good. we do have the habit of talking so um when i was waiting for to see if you guys noticed but you didn't so when um the mandalorian uh like and during that his childhood scene lifts um din up into the air did you guys see what the symbol on his arm Oh yeah. oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. No more pointed that out to me. The death was such a joke because I was like sitting there. I'm like, this is happening during the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Mandalore was neutral throughout the entire war. What are the heck are Mandalorians doing there? And then I see the sigil, and it's it's Death Watch. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. same people that kill Sabine, that have that caused terror on that planet to revert back to its old ways, went to another planet and saved foundlings. And wait, it, wait, wait. Did, you say, kill, did you say kill Sabine? They, uh, Satine. Oh, Satine. <laughs> I was like, Sabine, I'm like, my girl sorry, dies? Satine. Sabine's done? <laughs> when did this happen? Satine, sorry. Satine. Okay, that's okay. I just um, I must have when heard they, kill, they kill Satine, and, uh, but it just kind of like brings it back to the fact that they worked with Filoni, and they worked that with that lore, and that he actually came back to it, which was super pleasing to me. I think um, the biggest... But the fact that... Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Uh, I was going to say, the, the thing that really that I got from a lot of the interviews and stuff prior to The Mandalorian coming out was that Filoni, and, like, who worked on Clone Wars and worked closely with George Lucas on the Clone Wars for the first few seasons, and as well as uh, John Favreau, who worked with uh, Filoni as Pre Vizsla. And Favreau has a very strong passion for the Mandalorian uh, creed. And Mandalore as like a history and everything like that in the Star Wars universe, and that's I think they said John Favreau's like kind of passion in Star Wars is, is the Mandalorians. So this is like a marriage made in heaven for Dave Filoni and John Favreau to be able to take what they worked on in the Clone Wars and expand upon that in the Mandalorian and Rebels, and just continue to to take Mandalore and Mandalorian culture and creed and and expand it to the point where. It's starting to become more in the the limelight where everybody can understand it a little bit more. Where, like they said, Mandalorian, like you're on Mandal, you were born on Mandalore, were you not? You're a Mandalorian. No, I was not born on Mandalore. I was a it's foundling, a right? And I was. Mm-hmm. It's a creed, and this is what I I've done, and it kind of shows you the the relationship that he had with the people who saved him is the same relationship that he has with the child, and how he's a foundling, right? Um, I don't know about you guys, but I want to see like Baby Yoda with a Mandalorian helmet on with ear holes. Like, yes, give me this. Uh, yeah, I've already seen some fan art. I know. I've seen that around. I'm like, yes, please and thank you. Although, uh, one other point, uh, just to add on to what Vanessa was saying was, uh, funnily enough, while uh, while we were finishing up all of our stuff, um, one of the guys who who uh, was on my team knew that I knew that I was a huge Star Wars fan. And so at one point I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm doing my stuff and I can kind of hear him talking to, to uh, one of his friends and he goes, this means something. And they're just kind of talking and, and he goes, no, I don't know. I check with Noma. He, he knows all this stuff. And 
<laughs> I turn to him and they go, hey, Noma, uh, does this mean something? And I turn and it's the scene where, yeah, he's the, the Mandalorian's holding him and you can clearly see the symbol. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Death Watch. And they just started laughing. And they're like, yeah, see, I knew he'd know. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, this means so much. Why is this yeah, happening? I was, ah! I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my God. So that means that in the timeline, this takes place during. And they're like, all right, whoa, okay. <laughs> like, okay, you need to go back to your, your, your computer and work. <laughs> yeah, they were just like, oh, okay, we, we started something. Um, the one thing I did want to say about that scene, um, I don't know if you guys caught it, but I, I definitely did. And, um, it was the scene when he was being picked up by death watch and flown away is the exact same shot mm. as when he picks up baby Yoda and flies away from Cara Dune and uh, grief Karga. The, it's the same exact spot where like you see baby Yoda over his left shoulder and like it's flying up away, but you see it from like over the shoulder of Din's shoulder perspective. And then, Immediately, it cuts to Baby Yoda's view of it, like them flying away from Grief Karga and Cara Dune. And it was exact same shots as when he was a kid being rescued by Death Watch. And I'm like, that is, that's some good cinematography right there. Mm. So. Yep. Ed. Also, uh, oh, sorry. Do you think <laughs> we'll come back the Darksaber is the same one yep. that was on Mandalore? 110%. Mm. 110%. It, it is the Darksaber. Mandalore. Yeah, I am excited. Yeah. That is my favorite the, lightsaber of all time. And the, I really the downside want of that. The downside of that uh, means that that implies that Bo-Katan is dead now. It's either she's dead or she lost it. Because remember, Anakin loses his lightsaber on Coruscant. It's true, but but uh, that moth doesn't really strike me as someone who leaves survivors. That's fair. Um, it'd be interesting uh, yeah, to see. I I'm excited to see what happens with Bo-Katan if she comes into live action, which I would I would lose my mind if she came into into canon. It would be awesome. Like not well, canon, I mean, she, sorry, she not canon, canon, but I mean yeah. like live action canon. <laughs> yeah. Um, How old? Which would... she would be? <laughs> oh. So yeah, she'd be in her 40s, 50s, I think. So she'd be older. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for my yeah, because Rebels take yeah re- yeah she would be around there. Ed, get in here. Gideon's pose at the end. Oh, that's it. If that wasn't the most Vader-esque thing you could put in without having him in there, there you go. Also, mm-hmm. just the fact that he really wants Baby Yoda and he has a dark saber—it's like what? Like I, I don't understand Gideon. Yeah, I don't understand Gideon. I like none. Like he was, he was in the ISB as an officer during mm. the purge on Mandalore, after they just. The Empire destroyed Mandalore after Rebels, I assume. Um, mm. And the the fact that he has the Darksaber is like, did he get it from the Purge? Did he get it after that? Was he, Is he a collector? Is he like a Thrawn where he kind of collects the things from his enemies? Um, like, what what is this? Um, so I'm excited to hear and see more to do with um, Gideon. Um, which I can never, I don't know if you guys play Magic the Gathering, but there's a character, a planeswalker in that called Gideon. And I just can Gideon never. Ravener? Uh, Slightly different people. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Gideon in, in Magic the Gathering is like this holy, like, oh, soldier. Wait, but... yeah, Gideon Jura, right? Yeah, Gideon Jura, yeah. yeah. Gideon Ravener is a Warhammer character. Sorry. Of course, of course it is. Uh... <laughs> yeah, right? That's where my mind goes immediately. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think it's going to be a fun, a fun thing to do with Gideon and, and the Darksaber. I'm just excited. I'm just so excited to see anything more Mandalore and anything to do with that Darksaber because the sound that Darksaber makes and the visual of the Darksaber, especially in live action, guys. Mm-hmm. Jesus, give it to me. Yeah. Let's go. 
Oh, that That's what I really think makes this series so special because I find myself, the only thing I'm enjoying more than this story is the thought of where it could go. Yeah. Uh, that's something that I was completely missing with the new trilogy. Um, I, I found myself mm -hmm. just really not giving a shit where it goes because it kind of seems like it's going nowhere. And, mm -hmm. and this one, I mean... And it seems like they're gonna take this places that are amazing and big. And again, I think something much bigger is going on. Like he was already in possession of Baby Yoda. He was like, at this point, like my own self-interest involves your cooperation. So why didn't he just kill them? He has the dark saber. What the fuck is going on? Like there are, like I just really feel like something bigger is going on. And I think. Like, we're going to get to explore Yoda as a species in the smartest way possible that doesn't take away the the allure and yeah. the, the kind of mystical element of Yoda. Um, but it's going to give us answers. I mean, like, already it's just like Yoda is rare, right? Like, why don't we see a lot of Yodas around? Well, we just learned that they're literally children for hundreds of years. So it's probably very, like, not common for them to even make it to adulthood. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, just think about, oh, oh yeah. yeah. You're a helpless little child for hundreds of years, and then, you know what I mean? And 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 we wonder why we're like, well, why don't we see more of Yoda's species? It, it was probably actually hard for them it's to grow up. It's a planet full of up. babies, guys. It's a planet full of babies. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a lot of care. It just makes sense to me, and it, it sounds like and it sounds like we're going to fucking Mandalore in season two, and I, oh. and I just like. I'm so excited to see where the story goes, and it seems like it's unraveling in a way that is going to be large and exciting, but yet self-contained. And I'm just so excited that, like, I haven't felt this way about Star Wars in a very long time. Quick, quick point before I go, we're gonna do Ed and then Vanessa. Um, I just wanted to say I hope the next season of The Mandalorian is longer, uh, like ep more episodes and longer actual like uh, episodes themselves. And I hope that they do. Um, arcs that are longer they do like not episodic episodes like they did this time because i felt like it jumped around a lot and you did get things but it, it was like each story really didn't have a play in the whole mandalorian aspect like what was happening it was kind of just like oh this is happening at the same time um but like if we had more like episodic things happening like they do in you know rebels like mini arcs in the clone wars and stuff like that i feel like it would entice people more and be a very more more alluring for us as Star Wars hardcore fans to kind of sink our teeth into it a little bit more deeply. Um, but Ed. Yeah. Anything you want to say about the Mandalorian or episode eight? Oh, I did. All right. No, I, I, I gave my quick thing right there. I let you guys delve into all that. Cause you said basically everything there is to be said. So I was just going for it. Yeah. What I like to look, what looked good basically at that point, but I don't, uh, actually, one thing. What the hell? Why not? Um, I'm leaving that in. I'm not editing that out. Just so you know. It was either <laughs> episode seven or eight when they brought an eweb in for the first time, and it was actually acknowledged mm -hmm. as what it was. When the Gideon was like, "Yeah," or not Gideon. It was Kara. Uh, it is Kara, right? Kara Dune. Yeah. 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 It was Kara who mentioned it, and she's like, "What are they doing?" And I said it like right away. I was like, "Oh, they're setting up an eWeb, aren't they?" And she's like, "eWeb." I was like, "Yeah." I'm finally. glad that they brought that in. Like, they Gideon said something said about it. it. That was that was the big thing for me. So, so point. if you're mentioning that, you've also got to mention what you guys think when the Mandalorian grabs that and 
Yeah, just like walks takes around it up with off it. the mountain, starts firing. Because I was like, <laughs> I had a moment of Republic I don't Commando, man. Yeah, right. I was like, I don't understand. This is cool. Yeah, it's like it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is badass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh my god. <laughs> like, give me this class in, in the, the in Mad Battlefront Two, please. I want this. Oh, as a, man. I want this as a class. Moving at like yes. yeah, one kilometer an hour. Exactly. Mm. Um, the other <laughs> thing I was gonna say was yeah, the the thing with Gideon being such a smart ass and having no helmet on, and he's the only thing that only person that really hits something out of the stormtroopers and shoots the the blaster box, like the E-Web's like power source and mm. like destroys, destroys it and like throws the Mandalorian into um, like a concuss, concussive state, I guess. I thought that was pretty cool. Like he was the only one to think about that. Um, mm-hmm. And he wasn't wearing a helmet, which was kind of perfect about it. Um, this goes to show how ruthless he is. Yeah. He don't, he doesn't mm-hmm. give a fuck. He just wants the baby. There, uh, there was also one, one minor thing I'm curious if they'll they'll go back and talk about, which is um, when he when he's Gideon's doing his whole thing and listing everything about all the characters. He mentions that uh, Grief Kaga used to be a magistrate. I think he's talking about. Um, so I, I listened to this or I did a little bit of research on it, and mm-hmm. he's he's apparently now a disgraced magistrate from the Bounty Hunters Guild. But I, oh, so, that's, so that's what they mean. I think that's what they meant because I was like magistrate. That's like a diplomatic kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like. I don't know, and that I don't know where I saw it, but it was somewhere online, and I'm I'm not sure if it's legit or not. But I think it was referenced as like a disgraced magistrate for the bounty hunters guild, because he was that okay. he was that intermediary for Din and like all the other bounty hunters, right? So hmm. I I don't know if that's the case, but if not, like I would love to know his past because we didn't really get anything from him um, at all. Yeah. So all right. Plus, we don't know what he did with that best car that he got. <laughs> Who? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that little yeah. piece. Grief. Yeah, that's, that's true. Where he got all that best scar was from his time on Mandalore. Man, I'd still put, I'd still put oh, that yeah. little, uh, that little piece of uh, best scar in my pocket, right where I got shot. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you, you wouldn't want to make it into like a piece of, of chest armor or something. You're <laughs> only able to do that if you know a Mandalorian that can do it for you. Uh, that's a good point. Um, but I, the one thing I, I just want to point out was his sigil. Um. The one that he got of the Mudhorn. And I thought that was awesome because it was... He didn't get it right away because she said, Oh, like, you didn't earn it. Right? Mm. You didn't kill it yourself. But then what well, happened... He said... He, yeah, he, he said that. He wanted to give it to him. He said he didn't deserve it. Right. And then what, what happened was, at this point, all the Mandalorians that were in the sewers, they all died because they got murdered. Um, and then he came down with baby Yoda and she's like, okay, like, let me see like what the fuss is all about. And it's this. And he's, he kind of explains it to her. And then she's like, well, that's a foundling. You're now pseudo father for this thing, which means that, you know, you're part of the same clan. So here you go. You guys earn this together. And she's kind of rationalizing it to him. How like you have earned this because not only was it you, but it was your foundling too, that helped you. Um, So it was kind of like nice to build that clan right then and there. Um, and not before. Um, I thought that was good. Well, one of the first things I thought of when I when I saw that scene was how far into the future do we have to get? Like, how many years from now do we have to get for someone in Star Wars to mention Clan Jaren and yeah. everyone loses their minds? Right? That'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I'll be waiting for it. All right. I'm going to end us there, unless there's anything on your minds that is like you have to say it before before you end it. Nope. Bobby, you good? I think we're good. 
Well, when you really start to think, <laughs> no, I think I've, I think I've said everything I need to. I got to come back to that teacup, man. No, um, <laughs> Ed, let's get out of here. And that does it for our discussion on The Mandalorian. Uh, Dan, if you want to lead us into the outro, please. All right. So on every episode that we have for our new show, we usually do a fan pick of the podcast. And today I have two. One, because actually one of my friends, who's not a huge Star Wars fan, did some fan art uh, for The Mandalorian. Um, If you guys want to click the link in there on the document, it is a little picture of like a baby Yoda jelly looking thing. And it says, adorable am I or I am. And I just thought it was really cute, so uh, I just thought I would I would plug her her art because she does commissions and stuff every now and again, and her art is fantastic. Um, her her Instagram handle is at m e g c h r i s underscore art a r t on Instagram, and uh, you can look at her art there. And there's only there's only the one thing of of Star Wars there, but uh, it's it's really good. And uh, if you ever wanted to draw Star Wars stuff for you, hit her up when the commissions are open. Um, the that's what thing. Baby Yoda would look like as a as a peep, right? Exactly. It's like, like Easter the Easter candy. Yeah, it's like those. It, it has that same vibe, like that same like look to it with the eyeballs and everything. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is this second thing. It's a fantastic thing I found on Reddit, I believe, and it's Baby Yoda edited into the episode three scene between Yoda fighting um, Sidious in the Senate chambers. And it's basically, they, they just tried their best to make Baby Yoda fight Sidious in the same same things and make the baby sounds. It was It's a, it's not the best edited thing, but it's actually not bad, and it's very funny to watch. Um, and they use, like, the Ooh. different, like, hand motions and, like, facial expressions and give him his, like, Yoda's lightsaber. It's very funny. Um, but uh, those things I would definitely take a look at, and they're just fun things that fans have made that, I don't know, it just shows the the spirit of star wars and just everybody has a has a spot to be able to make something that you know resonates with them um but those are the two fan picks of the podcast let us know if you'd like them um send us your own uh fan uh art or any fan creations and maybe we'll show it on the podcast that'd be pretty fun i think and uh apart from that uh we're rounding off so vanessa um, is there anywhere on the internet that people can find and maybe shoot uh, a message towards you about the podcast or anything like that, or talk to you about Star Wars or anything? Yeah, sure. My Instagram is uh, Nessie Geek Chic, so N E S S I E G E E K C H I C on Instagram. I also have uh, a Twitter that I rarely use, but I'm trying to starting to get back more into. Um, it's Vanessa Gambler, so V A N E S S A. That's an amazing handle. Yeah, L-E-R. Yep. So those are the two that I mainly follow, but um, hit me up and uh, we'll talk. (laughs) Sounds good. And Bobby, where can the internet find you? Um, Me and anything that I'm working on can be found uh, with Wormwood on any platform, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Discord, YouTube, whatever it is. Um, You can find us uh, through Wormwood Gaming. It's Wormwood with a Y, so it's W-Y-R-M-W-O-O-D. And if you want to reach out to me personally, um, I am on Twitter under It's Bobby Bitch. 
um, with an <laughs> underscore, um, just a little shameless Britney Spears plug right there. Um, but yeah, and I'm always down to talk Star Wars, so friggin' at me, bro. Star Wars and Britney Spears, shoot her a message. Hell yeah. All right, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel J. Venard, and uh, how to contact the podcast in general. Uh, you can find us at our email address, voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. And you can shoot us a message there about our specific episode here today. Or you can find us on Twitter at voiceforcepod. If you take a look on our Twitter feed, you'll see our uh, posts about the new episodes. And if you retweet those, it helps kind of show visibility for everybody else in the Star Wars community and kind of gets our name out there a little bit so people can listen and talk about it. Get a little bit more uh, community involvement from everybody. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voiceforcepod for our Facebook page, similar to Twitter in the fact that we post our, our episode uh, posts there as well. And you can find us on our website, which we don't plug very often, but we should because we have a website, guys. And you can listen to us <laughs> on the website on any mobile device if you don't have podcast platforms that you listen to on. And you can see our episode art. Our episode art is usually pretty freaking amazing. I got to say... I love the one that Noma did a few episodes ago called do 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 Inquisicopter because it's amazing and it's a Rebels reference if you don't get it. But what, the, Nobody likes the, the worst force power that we've seen in quite a while. Being able to fly with, with Inquisitor lightsabers, it's great. Yeah, um, all you need is a spinny lightsaber. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you got to see all that awesome art and uh, see all the, the extra stuff from where you can find people and links and stuff like that as well. Now, Vanessa, during the beginning of the podcast, or I guess middle of the podcast, she did uh, the where to find us on our podcast platforms. I'm going to intro that again. Vanessa, are you cool to try again and try and get all of the Absolutely. different things? Absolutely. All right? All right. All right. You can listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on... Okay. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, and Podcast, and Podbean. Woohoo! Nice. Hey. You did it. And reviewing helps with visibility. (laughs) So if you uh, send us a review on there, if you think we're absolutely trash, give us a one star. I hope you don't. Um, If you (laughs) think that we're too long and you want to give us a review, give us a three star. Give us a four star. You know what? Give us a five star. Because that helps us get people seeing our podcast and talking to us more about Star Wars and uh, gets more people to uh, talk about Star Wars. And that's always a good thing, I think. Um, Subscribe for free. (laughs) for the latest episode on any podcast platform as soon as it releases. And with that said, guys, this has been the Voice of the Forest podcast for January 2020, the first episode of the year. Thank you for coming, and may the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. <laughs> Woo! We're gonna we're gonna have you go. De- uh, I'm gonna phrase that differently. <laughs> <laughs> go deep, guys. All right, what's yeah. the what? What are you gonna okay. have me do?